This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So, the only thing left to say is, you win. Order now on the McDonald's app, and you can also get rewards points delivered too, so that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Welcome to the Chelsea Fancast, fueled uh, by Guinness, Christmas cake, mince pies, turkey, you name it. Powered by Celery, the show that is still hungover, having done it, uh, overdone it in fact, as well as doing it on New Year's Eve. Goodness gracious me, what a start to the year. Uh, Now, Chelsea uh, looked like they had overindulged over Christmas when they entertained Stoke on New Year's Eve. And it certainly looked like the perennial party poopers were determined to ruin our end-of-year party and our winning streak. Uh, thankfully, William had other ideas, burying two great goals before Costa put Stoke to bed with a stunning fourth goal to make it 13 wins in a row and equaling Arsenal's winning streak for a season. It's now all about Spurs tomorrow night. We simply have to win, yes. don't we? Now, I am Stamford Chidge, and the name of tonight's show is... The Chelsea Fancast, Party Poopers Popped, which I thought was uh, definitely very New Year themed. But there we go. Now, on the, on this wonderful show, I'm sorry we were running a, a few minutes late tonight, but I had a, a few technical problems. And I also didn't put the shout out. Uh, you know, you you normally get an email saying Mixler's going on air in an hour. I completely I forgot to do that in my uh, hungover state. Oh, well done. Yes, I might put a few shout outs on Twitter as we're going along saying, look, we are here because there's only four for once on the Mixler bit. I can name all of the people that are listening live and they are Jack CFC, Daniel Klassen, my lovely mate Daniel from uh, Vancouver, Bonnie Rig Blues and uh, Aussie signed my... (laughs) Uh, it goes dot dot dot. Oh, and Ali Fragley's in the house as well. Hello, Ali. So apologies for being bloody useless tonight, but uh, unfortunately, I have three people in the house with me who are not bloody useless, and they are the wonderful uh, lyrical Jonathan. Lovely Kidd. to be on the show, and a happy new year to everyone. 
happy new year to you too jk looking forward to tonight uh we also have in our midst uh my great buddy the man who manfully uh well, actually, not only does he man the CFC UK stall, but he has been giving out his own version of the honours list this week. And I'm delighted to say for honours uh, for dishing out salmons to Marco on an occasional basis, I am now Sir Stamford Chidge. Isn't that right, uh, Marco? Indeed. indeed. Good to be here. Mm. It's lovely to lovely to have you back in the house with us. So there you go. We've got Marco with us. And finally, last but by no means least, we have... Um, I, the way I think I I, I need a description spiky feisty Twitter winder upper I don't quite know how we should describe Dan at the moment but Dan has been mixing it on Twitter all week Dan happy New Year to you yes, Mr Levine Godum, as they say in Moscow that sounded like science well I did not know that but I do now <laughs> if you play that the other way around it says listen to what or Nov Nov yeah it says, it says Paul is dead. Novsky Norovkod yes. or whatever. Anyway, um, we should get on with the show because I'm already we're already ten minutes late. But it's lovely to have you all here. Happy New Year to you lot. Happy New Year to all of the people. Oh, the the Mixler people are waking up. We've got ten in here now. It's all my fault, people. I was saying earlier, I, I've been a, a mad scatty day. Forgot to put the shout out out. So it's all my fault. But never mind. Now on the show tonight, we're going to be asking just how important is the record for consecutive wins. And in part two, we'll be applauding the desire and intensity that uh, Antonio Conte has brought to this Chelsea team and marvelling at the indomitable spirit that is Diego Costa, as well as having a quick review of the year if we have time. Uh, in part three, we look forward to the Spurs game tomorrow night. Is it must win or must not lose? And should we be worried about our rivals, bearing in mind we play three of them over it's the next week? And uh, we'll also be discussing... Uh, well, I know it's on Wednesday night. What it's are you talking Tuesday about? Tomorrow. Oh, yeah, it is, isn't it? Oh, God, I told you. But, you know, this is the trouble with Christmas, isn't it? <laughs> you just lose track of what day of the Flaming Week is, don't you? Yes. For those for those watching, it, for those listening in black and white, Marco's right. It's, it's Wednesday night, not tomorrow night, because today is, of course, Monday, which is, of course, why we're doing the Chelsea fan calls. That was the clue for me, which I clearly missed. But thank you, Marco. Uh, yeah, anyway, uh, also in part three, with a bit of luck, we're going to be discussing the CPO resolution in their forthcoming AGM, where it appears that offering Roman a 999-year lease may be on the cards. And Dan has written a fantastic article on that today. Uh, so hopefully he will have the answers to the questions that I will be asking. And in part four, uh, we have uh, a plethora, or a plethora, depending on how you like to say it, of emails for the, and I quote, the velvety-voiced Jonathan Kidd to I read am, out. I so am there we go, something to look forward to in part flattered. four. Flattered. You are what? Flattered, velvety-voiced, lovely, lovely. Flattered. Flattered. Well, there we go, flattered. so you should be. Uh, now... Oh, yes, I know. I know. Now, don't forget, you can, of course, listen to the show live every Monday at 7pm by going to Mixler, which is mixlr.com forward slash Chelsea hyphen fancast, where you can join in the chat by posting on the live chat page. Now, you can also tweet at Chelsea Fancast during the show to tell us what you think about the games and anything else in Chelsea. And I will, of course, completely ignore you. Now, talking of Mixler, we do have some lovely people in there. Yes, thank you, Daniel. Daniel Cabral says, it's 2017, Chidge, in case you forgot. Yes. Aussie Side My Broken Leg says, please don't go to Tottenham tomorrow. And he also says, arise to Stamford. Yes, indeed. And Ali Fragley, the lovely Ali Fragley, says, happy New Year, peeps, as does Shed End Seattle and Daniel. 
So there we go. So uh, at least there are a few people who clearly have their brain in gear, unlike your Uncle Chidge. But there you go. Now, after this short break, uh, we'll be talking about the Chelsea State game. we go um wow quite an entertaining match on saturday if the truth are to be told a bit old, old school i thought but um from from a chelsea point of view really um i think the most significant thing for us is of course it marked 13 yes 13 straight wins which of course matches arsenal's season winning streak um now here's the thing and i've been kind of thinking about this i've been thinking about this because i mean you know I, just watching twitter a little bit my own reflections and uh you know, going into that game, I, I was I was more shitting a brick about the result than I was about whether we would win it and keep the win going. And I, I kind of sat back and thought, well, hang on a minute, that's getting things a little bit out of perspective. So my, my contemplative or contemplative thought was, um, whilst it would be great to set a new record, kind of making history, not reliving it, as Marco might say, um, surely the bigger picture is really winning the title. So, you know... I, I kind of feel really weird about this, but um, I just kind of, what I'm really trying to say is the more we keep get this bloody streak going, the more I shit a brick about keeping it going rather than fixing on the title. Does that make any sense? Well, Jonathan? I think that if we win every game, we win the title anyway. So why can't we go down that route? Well, exactly. Yeah, I mean, exactly. I mean, you know, but but I, I think I think you know because I, I, I mean, other than the fact that I nearly always come to you first in these instances, Thank Jonathan. You. Um, but you, like me, you know, being a somewhat older Chelsea fan, are imbued with a, a certain amount, uh, amount of pessimism that that carries. Pessimism, uh, pessimism, and, and I think that's what I'm really yeah, yeah, kind of... pessimism and fear, Chich, as well, because uh, I, I, um, mm, uh, there is always yeah. this this terrible uh, demon on my shoulder who suggests, yes, but if we lose one, we could lose another, and then we could lose another one. And then we could lose another one. And where will we be? Which, of course, goes entirely against how the season has been going. And clearly what a wonderful manager he is. And clearly how he's got the whole of the team working with a wonderful team spirit and with a, uh, and allowing them to all display their skills in all their glory. And he's a great tactician. So this is unlikely to happen, isn't it, really? And if we were to drop a couple of points against Spurs, we would still um, bounce back. The very fact that uh, uh, Liverpool, who I think are not as good as Klopp and the press would make out, lost today, uh, drew today, um, slightly takes the uh, the burden off us for Wednesday. But I still would, obviously, we have to keep on beating Spurs, don't we? Because that's what we do. And it's a it's a crunch game because they'll be crowing all season if they stop us from, um, from uh, equaling and going on to beat the record. So we have to win it on that level as well. But um, uh, I, I, I also, the other thing I, I love about us having, I'd love us to have the record because I, I just, it's very nice to actually look up Premier League records and see, oh, we've got nearly all the records here because it just, uh, it, it, it amuses me having, as you say, Chid, having suffered so much in my youth of constantly watching an underachieving team be terrible. So, um, uh, I, but I always, I keep thinking, 
it'll it, it'll end one day, which was happened last season, of course. I thought, that's it, we'll never get back to where we were, which, of course, was completely pessimistic and uselessly misguided of me because um, because we're, we're not like that. We, we're, a, we're a top club in Europe, and uh, we've now managed to get a top, top, top manager who will guide us to the title this season, I'm certain. But in and, and the answer to your question, I would love it. Keegan like I would love it if we if we beat, beat the title beat the uh, the run of wins and I'd love it if it went into the twenties I would think it would be fantastic. But there we are. I think Jonathan, that's 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 beautifully put. All of that actually a, a very erudite uh, and interesting answer, Marco. Um, you know it has to come to an end sometime, doesn't it? But please God, not not uh, on Wednesday. But I mean, you know, you wrote a book called making history so I, I would imagine you have a, a fairly positive view on uh, on tearing up the record books and making new ones yeah but I, I, I tend to agree and I, you know I mean I, I probably um, might get laughed at but you know how, how would you feel if somebody said to you um, right we're going to lose 5-0 on um, Wednesday but win the league um, and I was actually thinking, uh, the last time we did win the league, um, Spurs cuffed us 5-3 at the lane in um, in January. Yes, so, you know, I actually, I actually think um, we'll be okay on Wednesday. But you know, it's not the end of the it's not the end of the world, is it? And you know, look 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 what happened to Klopp. Um, in his ridiculous world today, you know, they, they, they drew away at Sunderland. So, um, you know, all, all that hot air uh, that, that's blowing around up in on Merseyside um, is evaporating once again. Too many Brussels sprouts over yeah, Christmas. Yeah, you know, I, I'm all for records and records are great and it would be fantastic to beat Spurs at White Hart Lane to set a new Premier League record. Um, of course it would. It would be outstanding and give us something to crow about um, for, for weeks on end. But, you know, does it does it matter as long as we win the league? Not really. Good on you, mate. I have to say, I, I, I kind of share that in a sense. And, I, and, I, and you know what was, was running through my mind, Dan, actually, which is that, you know, all this... Uh, talk of the record and all of that, uh, you know, it's beginning to sound a bit Arsenal, you know. And at the end of the day, what, and that's actually Daniel, bless his heart, Daniel Cabral on Mixler has absolutely nailed it. As has if she don't come, you know. For me, records are forgot, records are forgotten, titles are remembered, and th and that's absolutely spot on. I mean, it kind of makes me mindful, Dan, of of last night when. You know, Arsenal fans on Twitter were, were far more excited about some pillock from France doing a scorpion goal, you know, which seems to have made up for the fact they won diddly squat for the last 11 years. But, I mean, Dan, records are nice, but the title's much more important. And actually, you know, I, I'd be honest with you, Dan, I, you know, I, I really want to beat Spurs to, uh, on Wednesday. And, and, you know, that really does worry me. And that, that's worrying me more than any record or so. I mean, what, what do you I think, think, Dan? I um, think, to paraphrase, uh, record, record, record. It'd be nice to win the record. But if the ship from the lane win a call again, then we won't really care if we're champions. Um, it's, um, you know, yeah. it's just one of those things, isn't it? Conte was talking about this after the game. Um, he said... Yeah, he cares about winning game after game after game, but he cares about it because he wants the points for the league, and that's all that matters. 
you know, records are all very nice, but you know, plenty of athletes have talked about world records and stuff like that and said how gold medals around your neck are the thing that you can't shift in the end. And, and it's exactly the same with, with football. You know, you, you want to have two hands on the trophy and that is really all that matters. Yeah, I think that's a good point, actually, although I think there's a counter to that as well, Dan. And I think, you know, I, I, I can't I, I would imagine absolutely that, that Conte drills it into the players. It's, you know, take every match as it comes. You know, don't worry about the record. You just go out there and win. But on the other hand, uh, I kind of got a sense watching us play on Saturday that a lot of that determination to win was not just that. It was that pride in keeping that record going. Yeah, I, th I think there, there was probably a bit of that, but but I think probably a little bit more of that. It's just the, the sense of um, community and well-being and the fact that everybody's working towards something that feels very, very special at the moment with Chelsea. And I think you've got 11 guys out there and you know, some guys on the bench as well, as well, who really are playing for each other, and they're playing for Conte, and they're playing for the badge. And it's the first time in a while we've been able to say that, and that that is a really valuable thing, isn't it? Yeah, I, I do, actually. And I mean, you know, kind of uh, leap, leaping ahead on the script, but we've got time, so why not? Marco, stop typing. Sorry. Um, that wasn't in the script, by the way. That, that, was, that was an ad lib. <laughs> Um, but I think one of the things that really impressed me most about the performance on Saturday, Jonathan, was uh, as, as Brendan or Bernard Rogers, if you prefer, but Brendan Rogers was wont to say, outstanding character. Uh, but ironically, actually, that 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 performance did remind me. Uh, I mean, Jonathan, you'll you'll remember this. I'm sure both the others will too. But it kind of reminded me of Liverpool in the yeah, 80s. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the number of times I, you know, saw them play a match of the day. You know, the minute uh, somebody would score against them, they would then go up the other end and score almost immediately. But I think the thing that really impressed me, like Dan was alluding to, Jonathan, is that, is that that desire and intensity that the team have got, and they do play like a team. They play for each other. It's wonderful to see, isn't it? Oh, it's superb. And I, when they got to 2-2, two -two, a bloke behind me said, oh, God, it's like watching Chelsea of old. And that in that second, in the same way that uh, on Match of the Day, old... Um, Barry Davis was uh, was going well. Could Stoke be in a position to actually, could, uh, actually, um, you know, get uh, win this game? Whereupon instantly we scored, which was which was fantastic. It was a fantastic goal from William, who um, who actually I, I felt spent most of the game not not being with us. I don't know what what was up with him. He came away being uh, the great star of the game, having scored two fabulous goals. But he was strangely off the pace. I get worried that he's very affected by his. Um, uh, affected by his mother, the very fact the second goal he burst into tears, didn't he? he had to be consoled by several of the of the uh, the Chelsea players, and even one of the Stoke players gave him a pat on the pat on the back, which was rather sweet. I don't know if you noticed that. Um, but uh, but uh, that's interesting, mate. I mean, yeah, no, go no, on. You were saying, it was interesting. What were you going to say? Well, no, because I, I, I didn't see that, although I did see a photograph and I, I didn't realise what that was about. I'm just wondering if Dan, Dan had any juice on that about William being in tears. Have you got any, any, any yeah, news yeah, on that, mate? Yeah, by the time he, he if, long before, in fact, he'd reached the, um, the halfway line, having scored that second, he, he was in, in floods of tears. He, he pointed to the sky to did, clearly yeah. dedicate, dedicate the goal to his mother. Um, and, you know, he got a, a, a sound hug. From, from a number of people as he went off. But um, Conte, Conte's press conference was almost entirely about him, it felt, because he was just saying um, that, that he's been through really? an awful lot. Um, and the fact he's come back is brilliant um, for, for both him and for everyone. 
But he said, and one of the things that I like most about what Conte said, he said he's a great footballer, but more importantly to me, he's a great man. Um, and, and that says an awful lot about the way he manages them mm. and, and the way that William has coped with things, I think. Yeah, what was the quote, Dan, that he, he made? Mm, I think that's a really good point. He's made a quote, hasn't he? What was the quote about uh, um, that he, he wrote on everybody's Christmas card? Yeah, um, oh, I can't remember what it is now. It's um, Give me a second. Give me a, give, give me a moment. I'll, I'll, I'll think it up. It's Hannibal, yeah, it is. isn't it? Yeah, Hannibal quote. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. But um, uh, no, I thought I thought that uh, yeah. to, to actually see us come back immediately and score was completely phenomenal. Actually, immediately they just—it was almost as if to say, "Okay, two-two, dreadful error, ball being punted up, Crouch just gets above, heads it across, you know, causes terrible panic." Perhaps both goals, practically, Crouch was involved, um, causing panic. Well, let's do what we can do marvelously now. Break instantly. Three or four passes goal brilliant absolutely brilliant and of course then the final yes the yeah. resistance is to the wonderful Con, uh, Conte goal who is uh, uh, sorry um, uh, Costa. I, I, Costa sorry I can't think yeah Costa goal who uh, is com- the, the big bloke from Brazil absolutely on fire at the moment it's phenomenal to watch it and the hug that he got given at the end by, by Conte was, was brilliant brilliant Jonathan, that uh, quote you were looking for, and this is, mm. these are the words um, that, um, that uh, Antonio Conte put on the, uh, on the bottom of the, uh, the Christmas card to every single member of Chelsea staff. We're talking about masseurs, we're talking about the cooks, the security guards, the lot, along with a bottle of Italian wine. The quote from Hannibal was, we will either find a way or we will make one. And that yeah. says, you know, that says you know, what is really happening at Chelsea at the moment. Yeah, yeah. And, and can I just bring, bring up something? Yeah, that's an absolutely spot-on point. Can now, I just bring up something briefly? Just wanted to ask. Well, it depends, oh, Jonathan. Will it take long? No, just it was a question I wanted to ask Dan. Was does it perhaps is something we could get on to later? But just well, go on then. It, was was do you feel that Conte is the kind of man who makes players who are slightly below par into great players, and then consequently we don't then have to worry about buying superb players? Is he a clutch? Is he actually ultimately? Somebody who can um, can get hold of the of the, the base metal and turn it into gold. You know, is he is he that kind of player? Because I'm beginning, to, I'm beginning to get I'm beginning to get that impression from him that he is. Um, I think that is one of the main. Okay, tell you what, we are going to cut. We are hang on. Whoa, 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 hang on, hang on, hang on. We are going to we are going to talk about that later because I want to talk about whether we need to strengthen the squad. No, that, and I think that will fit thing. in very that's nicely with question, that. But that's a great Chich. question, Jonathan. Chich, that's the same question. Do we need to strengthen the squad? I know, but can we can we cover it later? It's the same question. Oh, so what do you mean? You want to cover that later? Okay, I get you. I get you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. It's just that we I, uh, can we just yeah, cover course, that course, when we want? Yeah, yeah. You see what I mean? Yeah, yeah, of course. Uh, we're about to kind of run out run out of time, and I understand. I, and, and as I've got as I've got Dan on, and I just want to cover it in this bit before we go to the break because. It kind of relates to to William, which is what we were talking about a second ago, um, and and Dan's been. <laughs> I tell you what, mate, you don't half amuse me on Twitter, but he's been winding people up all, all week. It Have seems, I? but <laughs> a lot of it seems to be doing with this. Well, if I explain, then maybe maybe you 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 can have your right of reply. But um, you know, the likes of William and Alonso particularly have been getting a bit of a slagging, and there's been a lot of talk on Twitter about. Uh, you know, that we seem to have won 13 games in a row and played pretty bloody brilliantly all the way through, even though half the team is shit. <laughs> and and Dan, quite rightly, has been fairly defensive of, of this and it seems to have caught the ire of a lot of people who, shall we say, uh, Stamford Bridge is an alien place. 
I think that's probably a kind way of putting it. Dan, would you like to to, to make a comment? Yeah, on I mean, that? Uh, th th there's um, I suppose there's there's a few things going on. One of the things that Jonathan touched on is that you've got a manager who turns good players into great players. You've also got a system that covers up an awful lot of maybe frailties. But you've got a load of players who are playing out their skins. And how dare anyone say of a team that is 13 point 13 games uh, on the run, be winning every single game, is top of the league with a points buffer after the season we've just had last season where we were at this stage of the season looking potentially at relegation how dare anybody say that the whole lot of them aren't great yeah okay there are little weaknesses in there but that's ridiculous and the sort of people who are saying it i've got to say uh, are for a very large part people whose only interface with football comes through a playstation i think i think, I think the most ridiculous don't hold back the ridiculous man. aspect of it is that these people seem to have remarkably short memories when, you know, the likes of Jamie Vardy, Simpson and Robert Huth were, were tearing it up last season and winning the league for Leicester City. So, you know, what were people saying last season? Oh, it's, you know, they're, they're, they're a bunch of average players. Um, but, but, you know, why did Leicester win the league last season? Because they had a bloody good manager who happened to... Um, get the get the best out of the dressing room, and they play together as a unit. Um, ditto what's happening at Chelsea this season. Uh, you know, I, I, I just I won't take that type of criticism. It's ludicrous. Marco, do you remember a team that won the European mm. Cup with Jose Basingwa in central defence? <laughs> Sorry, say that again, mate. Do you remember a team that won the European Cup with Jose Basingwa in central defence? Yeah, exactly. And Ryan Bertrand. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's all it is. It's just it's it's, I, it's jealousy. <laughs> well, actually, do you know what? I I, I look. I, I don't know this for a fact, and and I have to be honest. I, t I to be really honest, and I know you'll be surprised by this, but I tend to stay out of these arguments as much as I can because you can't win. You know, and I get really upset when I start seeing these people slagging each other off on Twitter and it suddenly comes into a foreign supporters versus people who go to the games. Then the people who go to the games, well, just because they go to the games, you know, doesn't mean that they know what they're talking about. And all of these absolutely puerile, nonsensical arguments. And actually, I think for me, that's the overriding issue that I have with it is that actually most of these arguments are completely childish. They really, really are. I mean, at the end of the day, you know, opinions are like arseholes. Everybody has one. Uh, leave it at that, you know. But, uh, oh, it just, it, it is, it's childish, isn't it? And, I, and it makes me wonder, Dan, whether a lot of the, um, you know, it, my immediate conclusion would be that a lot of the people that tweet such nonsense are, in fact, children. But, of course, you know, the reality is that there's probably an awful lot of grown men who are tweeting such errant nonsense <laughs> as well. But there you go. I, I say, uh, anybody like to comment on that? Can I, can I just mention just something about Twitter for a second. Yeah, uh, please I put, do, mate. I put up, um, there was a big discussion on Twitter about um, uh, the referee, uh, was it the other day, um, uh, calling, the, calling the free kick back after the guy had a shot and it went over the bar um, in the Stoke, in the, in the, in not in the Stoke game, in the Bournemouth game. Who was, who oh, was yeah, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, um, uh, and the number of people who just don't know the law on Twitter who can't even be bothered. You can look the law up. You know, you just go to FA and find Lords, Advantage, Lords. And I got taken to the cleaners by Chelsea fans for being on the ref's side because I said, because he, he'd been so awful. And, and people quoted, they said of the fact that he's done about five different bad things and this was another one. 
and you know nothing about refing. And I said, well, yeah, I, I agree that he made some bad decisions, but the advantage wasn't a bad decision because the second that the ball was kicked over the bar, which was immediate, he decided the foul was worse and just brought it back, which is just common sense. But that people were saying, no, he had a shot. That's, if you have a shot, that's the advantage is over. It's not written anywhere in the laws about that. It's just down to the referee. But the amount of, of abuse that I got as a consequence of, even from Chelsea supporters, as a consequence of standing up for the ref in a situation like that was just absolutely bizarre. As you say, Chid, if, if you actually debate it, you just start getting... Um, your head goes goes round and round because you're you're not you're not going to. Well, win. it's just I I just find it. Well, I tell you what, I'll share with you now, and 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 uh, we then must we must go for a break. So forgive me for not giving you a right of reply, but uh, number one, uh, it's just more evidence that we're living in a post fact <laughs> world. You know, basically everybody has a right to spout as much shit and nonsense as they can. And the other thing is, I'm very delighted that as well as the wonderful, wonderful Peter Watts uh, book. Uh, or wish I could be like Peter Watts, as we all say on Twitter. Uh, the wonderful book about Battersea Power Station called Up in Smoke. Uh, I also got a book called The Psychodynamics of Social Media, <laughs> which you'll be going, what? But as you all know, I do a bit of psychotherapy uh, for a living. And uh, this book I- explains the madness that lies beyond what most people tweet. I cannot wait to read it. It might give me uh, the answers to these imponderable questions where there probably are none. Anyway, on that bon mo, uh, we, we're going for a break. We'll be back in a sec. And what will we be talking about? Well, we will be applauding the does. Well, we've already done that, so we won't be talking about that. But we'll uh, we'll no doubt be talking more about Conte. But I think particularly uh, the indomitable spirit that is Diego Costa, as well as having a quick review of the year. We will see you in a short while. only place for Chelsea fans footballfancast.com real fans real opinions I'm Jason Cundy and you're listening to Chidge and the boys on the Chelsea football fancast total nutters and proper Chelsea Welcome back. I am Stamford Chidge, and you are listening to the Chelsea Fancast. Uh, now, uh, before we carry on talking about uh, the football, particularly the Stoke match, uh, as always, a quick plug for the wonderful, wonderful preview show that I do with Kerry Dixon every week. Uh, we manfully carried on over the Christmas break, even though we weren't doing the fancasts. Um, and it's usually available either on a Thursday or a Friday. Now, um, this week, of course, you can download it, as always, by uh, via Acast, iTunes, and SoundCloud, SoundCloud even. Uh, but the next show, and this is important, this will be out on Thursday afternoon, uh, and it will give me and Kerry a chance to talk about what's happened at the Spurs game, uh, as well, of course, as looking forward to the FA Cup tie against Peterborough, which is on Sunday. So do check that out. It'll be out on Thursday afternoon. Uh, and of course, uh, if you haven't already, go and buy Kerry's wonderful biography, which is uh, called Upfront and is available from Amazon uh, for around 15 quid, I believe. Now, another bit of Kerry-related news, uh, which is there is a documentary that is about to be made, or, well, it's in the process of being finished, I believe. It's produced by a lovely guy called Chris Barnett, uh, now, they're going to be screening. They're going to do a special screening of Kerry's film on Friday, the 3rd of March at 6pm. Kerry will be there. Lots of other football legends will be there as well. There's a three-course dinner, so it's going to be a big swanky-do 
basically. Tickets are not cheap. They're 150 <coughs> quid per person, or if you want to get a table of 10, it's it's 1,300 quid. Uh, but anyway, if you want more information about that, go to midnightproductions.co.uk forward slash footylegends100. And uh, on that note, I'm going to do an interview with Chris uh, for the Chelsea Fancast, talking to him about the film uh, and everything else about that in a week or two. Uh, now, uh, back to the football. Um, we really do need to uh, to praise the mighty, mighty, mighty Diego Costa. Um, I mean, for me, chaps, that, that goal of his absolutely sums him up right now. I mean, it... it, it, it We've said this so many times in the past, this year and on this show, I'm sure, about the, uh, I think, increasingly more valid um, comparisons between him and, and, and Diego, uh, Diego, uh, Didier Drogba. And I, I think they are very valid because that, that was such a Drogba-esque goal, you know, bullying the player, getting the best of him physically and then absolutely burying it with a sumptuous finish mark, wasn't it? It, it just looked absolutely beautiful from from where I sat I was right online yeah um, as he drew the ball in so I was level with him as, and saw how tight an angle that was um, and he just put it away with such um, a plong it, it was just superb what a striker he is the man mm. and he's fixed and he's fixed he bollocks isn't he mate no doubt about he's it he's fixture proof I mean... you know he was. He's fixture proof. He's yeah. not a flat track bully. Um, you know. No. Beautiful. Well, again, I mean, that's, you know, for me, that that's why I think the comparisons with Drogba are, are, are easy to make. I mean, in some respects, he's a very similar kind of striker. But, you know, I think that point about not being a flat track bully is absolutely spot on. I mean, he turns up for the big games as well as the... I mean, you know, that, you know... I think we would have won that game quite comfortably and be able to shut it down. But I mean, I thought it was really important that he kind of turned up and absolutely put them to bed. No comeback from that. And, you know, for those of us with an older memory and a more nervous Chelsea disposition, that was quite what we wanted, wasn't oh, it, Jonathan? Yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I just thought, oh, they'll nick one. They'll nick one. <laughs> they'll nick one. It'll go off somebody's foot or something. But I, I, I keep gasping every time he scores. I just go, oh, God. Oh, you could probably well, practically sort of have the, you know, what, what was that expression you used to have in the 19th century? The vapours I practically have, you know, because mm. I go, I'm, I'm so I'm taken aback by the fact you think, you know, he won't. He's the angle's too tight. He, he can't do it. Oh, bloody hell. It's in the back of the net. Ah, God. It's a, a, a absolutely remarkable. He is a remarkable. I have to say, player. Jonathan, you, you, you bought you bore a remark. Jonathan, you bore a remarkable resemblance to the bloke who played CP3O <laughs> in Star Wars. Then, you, to your, I have you really did. A robot in the past, I have to say. Um, but uh, <laughs> I, I, but your your kind of reaction was exactly that. Well, it's very, oh, 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 it's one of those, isn't it? But I, I'm so pleased because in the press he's revealed that he almost left, went back to Atletico in the summer, didn't he? He's revealed that in an interview recently and uh, in, in the past week. And uh, as well as uh, saying that all referees were against him, which I was wondering whether the FA could have a go at him or not. But um, uh, no, but I, I, he's, he's uh, he, I, I so want, he's giving us an opportunity for that. I mean, Drogba had the same thing, didn't he? There were periods in Drogba's career where he went off the boil and we thought he was going to get transferred. It was particularly under Scolari, who he wouldn't play for. Um, uh, and I remember people saying, oh, that's it. He's off taxi for Drogba. He's not trying. Um, 
So the fact that obviously everything has, has been smoothed over and he's working with a manager that he loves working with um, has just allowed him to blossom. And of course, he will. But if he carries on staying, which if they, you know, if we start winning trophies, which we will next season, I'm sure. I mean, major Europe, if we win the Champions League, we'll get very far in the Champions League. He'll he'll stay as long as he possibly can. But I think they're trying to tie him down at the moment, aren't they? To a to a very long to a a, a bigger contract with over with parity with with Hazard, aren't they? With the money at the moment, I think that's uh, that's what they're. they're to do well, well let yeah jonathan let, what yeah. Dan must know about that? let's let's absolutely hope so because well i was going to say yeah because i mean it's really interesting because I I, I I i basically came back down to winchester yesterday you know having taped everything that i would have missed in london on tivo and one of those was a sunday supplement and uh so i came back to a rumor that uh, uh apparently the chinese are putting an 80 million yeah. quid yeah. bid for costa dan um any any truth in the rumor, and uh, are we should we be worried? There's certainly a lot of money being chucked around by Chinese clubs at the moment, and uh, even the most outlandish deals you probably can't write off at the moment. But I just don't see Diego as the sort of guy who wants to do that. Really, he doesn't look like a, he looks like a player who's got an awful lot more ambition. Um, at the moment, he's on the brink of probably. I mean, if he carries on as he's doing, winning both the Golden Boot and also some Player of the Year awards in, in England, because he is. Let's be honest streets ahead the best player in the premier league at the moment um so why would he go there you know he wants he wants to he wants to stay here he wants to win the champions league no i i agree entirely with that and i think actually that you know you know what what bears that out i mean see the thing look hang on let me let me just retrack uh, backtrack a little bit because the only concern that i have is <sighs> You know, the Brazilians, there are a lot of Brazilians playing in China. And, and you know, I know that, that Costa plays for Spain, but basically he's Brazilian. And there is a there is a theory going that a lot of these guys come out, uh, you know, from Brazil in such poverty that they will go for the money at the end of the day. The money is what drives them more than anything else. But having said that, Dan, uh, the one thing that gives me a little bit of solace is, is if you also read the article, which I'm sure we all have, uh, about, you know, uh, Costa revealing that, you know, he was set to go back to Atletico in the summer. And basically, I think a combination of Conte uh, and also his determination turned it round. And, and in fact, the, the, the revelation I thought that was particularly interesting was the fact that he realised that he had to change. You know, that if he's going to be successful in England, he has to change his game a bit, stop, you know, getting into trouble, focus on on, on, on doing what he does best, which is scoring goals. So... I think if a player like him can do that, it tells you that he has uh, that he's driven more by the need to succeed and to achieve things in the game, which I, w- I think would preclude him going to China, yeah, right? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I'm not in favour of a lot of people following Oscar's departure are very happy to sort of wash all these successes on, off the floor and, and forget he was a decent player. He was a decent player, um, but he didn't seem to have the fight that was needed to turn things around to be the great player that Conte needs of him. Now, Costa has just done that, hasn't he? And he's done that with, with time to spare, and he's done it almost overnight. Um, so he's clearly up for the fight. Um, so why would he Why would he drop all that now? Yeah, well, quite right. And I think the other thing, actually, um, Marco, is that, uh, you know, like... And, and it, it is remarkable, actually. I think, you know, the, these comparisons to Drogba uh, are not spurious at all. And and as Jonathan was saying, you know, Drogba had his issues when he first started playing for us and it took him a while to turn them round. And then, boy, did he turn them round. But I think if, if the comparisons are, are truly to be made, then Costa's got to stick around for the kind of length of time 
that uh, Drogba did. And I think, you know, equally, A, win a lot of stuff and contribute to us winning a lot of stuff, wouldn't you say? Yeah, no, clearly, you you know, you you only have to look what goes on um, when uh, when Costa and um, Conte... uh, with their, you know, clearly developing bromance there, that, you know, both (laughs) both of them clearly get on, they get on with each other. Um, And Conte, Costa, I think Costa's the type of guy who, well, I mean, I'm sure sure they all need to be loved, but, you know, he, he, he needed some love last season. It wasn't coming his way. And I kind of... Um, I kind of get the feeling that, you know, Conte, Conte's interpersonal skills in terms of um, his man management style, uh, uh, what's setting him apart from, um, you know, Mourinho and, and Guardiola, um, certainly, and, and Klopp, I think, to a certain extent, but for different reasons. Um I mean, Pochettino, I just find I find him difficult to to understand. Uh, not 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 in a not in a jingoistic way, but I just uh, he, he's 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 odd. Pochettino, obviously, he's very good at what he does, but, <laughs> but I, I just don't. <laughs> I don't. Can you, Pochettino and Harry Kane having a conversation? That must be a thing of wonder. Um, <laughs> if you get my drift, <laughs> but, but, but yeah, I, I just think Costa should stay at Chelsea um, as long as uh, Conte is at Chelsea. Um, I can't see him leaving for China. I, I can't see uh, you know any, any players that are part of that core. I mean, it's not a first eleven in there. I mean, I wrote a piece the other day. I think we've used we've used twenty players so far in the Premier League this season, which is less than any other uh, team so far. There's like there's a, a nucleus of players there that have all been featuring um, either in the main or off the bench, and none of those players are going to leave in uh, in January. Um, you know, let's win the title and review it in the summer. Um, but I, I don't see Costa go, going anywhere. I read something today where it was an article on the BBC where he'd said he, he thought he might go in in the summer back to Madrid, but that was nothing to do with um, his his perception of Chelsea. It was just the, the way things were and the way things were evolving. Um, you know, he's... he's He's obviously got a, a great affinity with the supporters. Top man, player of the season, yeah, golden absolutely. boot, as you say. Well, I'll tell you what. Back in that, Europe next season. Yeah. On that point, Mark. Yeah, well, there you go. Well, we'll go, I'm going to pick up on that theme in a minute. But before before we do, just to, to put a line under how uh, good and important uh, Costa has been for us this season... I picked up somewhere a little article that was saying that without his goals this season, we'd be fifth in the league. So how about those apples? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. He's, he's hugely important, isn't he? Frightening, it? isn't it? Yeah. 
Yeah, he is. So we don't. I mean, he. I mean, I think you know, Dan, Dan was making the point a minute ago about you know he's our he could be player of the the, the year for you know the writers on the, the you know whatever they who you know what I mean the player of the season award, but he he I think he's without doubt our most important player. I think he's the one that we would definitely struggle without um, if we didn't have him. Although having said that, the uh, Bournemouth game, which many of course, predicted we would slip up against because we were without not just uh, Costa but also the uh, very important Kante. Uh, of course, we, we didn't at all because that wonderful player who I've always praised to the hilt <laughs> from the moment he first put on a blue Chelsea shirt, none other than Pedro Rodriguez, uh, my absolute hero and legend of a Chelsea player. Of course, I'm lying through my teeth and I got it so wrong with poor little Pedro last year. Uh, but bless his heart, he was brilliant against Bournemouth yeah. and scored, uh, well, certainly one fantastic goal and the other was a deflected one, but he scored two goals First nevertheless. Goal brilliant. Um, and of course, he was, uh, just, wasn't it just? Brilliant, brilliant, wasn't it? Anyway, he uh, he was, of course, re- sorry, JK, he was replaced, uh, of course, by William uh, against Stoke because Pedro uh, was serving a one-match uh, ban for racking up five uh, five yellow cards and blow me. Uh, but uh, Pedro's replacement also scored two even better goals, I think. I mean, that first goal that Williams scored, Jonathan, was was a real thing of beauty. That layoff by Hazard and Wallop, and then the second one right into the roof of the net. But my, my point is, and this is going to be linking in, by the way, Jonathan, to what you were the question you were asking Dan in part yes. one, but I think what it says to me is that there are definitely... You know, compared to Mourinho's side of last year, it seems that there are definitely competition for places and it's hotting up because they know that if they want to stay in the side, they've got to bloody perform. Would you say well, so, Jonathan? I was intrigued that um, uh, Fabric started the game against Stoke instead of Matic because I thought when, when Matic came on, the whole thing looked a bit more solid, actually, when he came on for Fabregas. Um, I mean, obviously, he's given yeah. the advantage of... Uh, you know, having a fresh pair of legs, but you know, it, it, he just doesn't. Del- Fabregas, you know, for all his delights, it, it isn't as strong as this rejuvenated Matic because Matic is beginning to play much as he did when we won the title. He's, he's somehow got back to that, which you know, all, all praise to him because he's working beautifully in this environment. Um, but uh, no, my worry is also for the Spurs game is, uh, um, you know, who, what combination is he going to pick? He obviously looks at the teams. Yeah, well, can we going to pick? Can we pick yeah, that up in, in the next part? Because I want to, I want to talk about that precisely. Because why I was mentioning yeah. that was because does Pedro play? It is linked in my mind the way my mind works. Because, um, you know, because mm. William came in. I have to I say, do. I said before, I don't think William was completely at the races for the whole of the game. And then he immediately, in fact, the bloke behind me said, "Get him off!" He immediately scored. There's a bloke behind me who who is he's, he's like some kind of he's like a kind of oracle. <laughs> he's like an oracle, the Delphic oracle. The second he says anything, the opposite happens. It's, it's brilliant. It's brilliant. Or or he or he, he says exactly what I've said. I'll say something like, "Oh bloody hell, look." Um, Hazards have hazards. Phenomenal, isn't he? This it, it'll linger in the air a moment. He'll say, "Oh bloody hell, hazards! Phenomenal, isn't he?" And I go, "Hang on, I just said that." What's what's? But you know, I'm 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 pleased that he's interested in in repeating me. Um, but uh, but frequently he comes up with these these moments of saying, "Oh, particularly when he, he said, oh dear, it's 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 as bad as last year." Goal, you know, instantly score. Um, but uh, yeah, no. So it, no, I agree. I think. Well, therefore proving, therefore therefore proving, Jonathan. Therefore, proving that actually, uh, the, the, you know, we were talking about the split amongst people, you know, yeah, foreigners, yeah. people who go to the matches, yada, yada, yada. 
I think I think the real the real split is people who know about football and people who don't. It doesn't matter whether yes, they go to yes, the match or yes, not, really, doesn't it? Absolutely. And I mean, I, but I've I've been slightly guilty of it because I was you know the, one of the debates on Twitter is whether Moses is actually good enough and whether Alonso is good enough. Well, bloody hell! Um, and it, even I was saying that a few weeks ago. I think well, you could tweak a bit. You think, hang on a second, they're all part of a wonderful team. They're all getting on wonderfully well, and they deserve to be. They're obviously there will be competition. But if they're doing very well in their positions and the team keeps winning, it's difficult for him to change it round. That he doesn't want to change it round. But he is the kind of tactician who will tweak. And it'll be very interesting to see who he does pick for the Wednesday game, um, because he will have looked at them. He, he's he's good but at looking will. at the opposition and making. That's why I think he chose Fabregas ahead of Matic, because he felt that we could be able to split them with the with the long ball that he, that that, that uh, Fabregas is just so brilliant at playing. But as it was, I felt that having Fabregas in the middle against Stoke, who are oh, he's a canny man, Hughes. Um, uh, he's a canny manager and also, you know, can be a, a vicious manager. He can get people to kick people, as we remember from the, the Blackburn game of ten of 12 years ago, um, when his team cropped Robin and, uh, and uh, uh, Brooksby won 1-0. Um, but he, you know, he, he can have those moments. But I, I think he's got better as a manager. And there were periods where I thought they played very well. But, I, but the, the, one of the strengths we've got is this brilliant breaking, which when Pedro plays, he contributes to just as much as William does. So it, it, it's, a, it's a wonderful situation to be in, to be having to, to debate who we pick, uh, because they're all top-class guys. He's made everybody into a but top-class what, what about What about tweaks to the squad? I mean, you know, you were, you were asking Dan yeah, a little yeah. while ago, you know, about... Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, I think there are competition for places, but I still wonder about our, our squad depth. Although, as I said, you know, what I've just said seems to kind of be counterintuitive to that, uh, Dan, but... You know, do you, do you think, do you think, well, let me put it in another way. You know, do we need to strengthen in the transfer window? And if so, which positions? Um, I think if we've got any frailties, it is the lack of strength in depth. Um, I think that's that's right. There, there, there isn't quite the cover mm. that we, we might like to have in the squad. Um, and he's, he's trying to bring some of that through. I think it's little by little. You know, you, you get first your first 11 players up to the speed you want them to be. And then you bring up the luxury players behind that. Um, and it does take time. And you can see that he's trying to give chances to people from, from within. We're seeing a lot of uh, Chalabar off the bench, who's, who's done fairly well when he does that. Um, but then you've seen people a little bit further back in their development, like uh, Ola Aina, who um not quite as uh, successful, but you know there's plenty of time for that. Um, yeah, there probably will be some reinforcements in, in January. I'm not expecting major first-team changing signings. I'm not expecting somebody to walk straight in. But, you know... There's, there's the gentle build and there might be one or two coming in because of that. Mm. I think, you know, what Jonathan was saying earlier, and I thought actually that was a really, really good point you were making, JK, uh, about Conte's, uh, you know, ability. And, and one wonders whether, you know, he was hired for this reason as well, knowing Roman's love of kind of bringing some of the youth players in. But is he doing what... Because, I, I mean, I remember when he was first hired, there was a lot of talk about, look, you've got, to, you know make the squad that you've got work because we think that they're good enough. And, and I mean, do you think we're seeing any kind of proof of the fact that he's, you know, making the the players that he's got at his disposable, disposal better players? Yes, definitely. Because his CV, his, 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 his showreel to get this job was basically the team that he put together with Italy for the qualifying for the last Euros. And if you look at that, mm. that's a load of bang average players at the end of the day who he lumped together into a very, very good team. Yeah. Um, and you can see that, that what um, Abramovich's position is, he spent an awful lot of money. He's had to chuck a load of money at Mourinho um, 
to, to rebuild a squad and it's not really worked. And this has happened throughout Abramovich's time at Chelsea. He spends a load of money, then he decides, look, we spent enough, we'll stop here. And he's clearly decided to stop and he's got a manager who can work with that. And, uh, and I think Conte definitely can take players who are, you know, the, the big case in point, of course, is Victor Moses, the forgotten man. And he's turned him into a, a great player in this, in, in this setup and in this Chelsea side. Yes, he's... Yeah, that's a good point. Marco, what, what do you say to that? Well, my, my view my view on it is, um, you know, Alonso and Louise uh, were brought in at the end of the transfer window and the assumption was that they were brought in because, you know, Chelsea failed in, in their objectives of, of getting higher profile or well, not higher profile, well, certainly in the case of Alonso, higher profile, but, but getting um, players viewed to be more um, adept to, to, to the task. Um, you know, and eyebrows were raised, but he brought those players in and, and um, you know, they've melded well with the players that are there already. Uh, and more importantly, all of them can work with, you know, the, the, the now legendary 3-4-3 system, um, and I think, you know, within within this transfer window, um, I, I did a piece on this the other day, actually, so I did some research. In, in the, the, on the four occasions that we've won the Premier League, in, obviously in the Premier League era, um, we, we didn't, we didn't, well, the first three occasions, we didn't do any business of any note in terms of bringing players in. Uh, during any of those windows. Um, the last time with Mourinho, uh, the, the only player we spent money on in January was Juan Cuadrado, who only started four games, four Premier League games for the balance of the season. Um, so, you know, I, I really do believe that um, I don't really see, I don't, you know, the, there's a temptation with that Oscar money and some names being bandied about uh, to be frivolous in the transfer market. But I, I think it you know, could upset the, the, the harmony of um, what's going on there. And as I said earlier, I think um, you know, that nucleus of 20 players um, who are all interchangeable, who know what's going on this season, um, I think they more than more than capable of getting us over the line you know with 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 points to spare um you know I, liverpool <laughs> you know it's it's just all hype up there <laughs> I, I i don't know if any of you um caught pep guardiola's post match interview oh, today you, you'd have enjoyed that one dan if you'd uh, been conducting that mm. the man's an idiot <laughs> you know, you would never see Conte um, conducting himself in in such a bizarre and frankly arrogant manner. Um, you know, if that's the way he is, if that's the way he is with the media, what's he like with the players? You know, the, 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 there isn't a nucleus. You don't get that sense with City. You know. Well, they're not a well, team, no, are they? Fernandinho's just a fuck. Yeah, it's just, you know, they've, they've got pots of money 
but so have we. But what they haven't got, you know, is a team. Jose's Jose, yeah, they, they beat 10 men West Ham tonight. But, you know, that, that's a big ask to make up the, the points that they've got there. And I, and I don't think he knows what, what his best team is or what, what his best system is. You know, mm. Arsenal, who knows? And, you know, Arsenal and Tottenham, I just think, mm. lack that je ne sais quoi that we have at the bridge which, um, you know, when, when the chips are down, um, we, 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 we turn up and put a performance in. I just think that they, they you know, Arsenal have got some favourable fixtures, I know, um, but so what? Well, I'll tell you what, we're going to pick that up in, in, in part three for sure. But uh, Jonathan, you know, just going back to, to what Marco and Dan were saying there, you know, are you, are you of that mind? Would you rather rather see some big players coming in in the summer when hopefully we'll, we'll have a Champions League campaign? Or are you of the mind, like Dan was suggesting, that actually Conte is very, very good at getting the best out of the players that he has at his disposal, possible bringing, possibly bringing a few youngsters through gradually, but actually, more importantly, building a, a, a real team uh, spirit and a, and, a, and a team that is greater than, you know, the whole being greater than the sum but of its I, parts? I think the, the, the market is... is always in January, it's a question of who's available because most of the top players are still involved in, in the Champions League, so they won't be wanting to leave. Yeah. Um, but, I, I, you know, if, if, a, if a player who fits in with his scheme was, was available in January, I think he'd buy him, but I, I'm, I'm not convinced that they'll add to, to anybody in the, in the January window. I think they'll wait until the summer um, when, uh, when people's contracts are nearer winding down or or, or, or when the, the picture is clearer. I mean, I think, you know, a couple of players would be needed. I think clearly Batshuayi hasn't worked out in the way that uh, um, everybody would have wanted for such an expensive £32 million player. The very fact that he didn't get played in the Bournemouth game, I thought, spoke volumes. And I felt the way that, that everybody put their arm around him at the end of the game when he came on for that rather embarrassing um, five seconds before the referee blew his whistle was was very revealing because um, it's not done much for his confidence to be replaced with a um, with Hazard at, at uh, as central striker. Um, but we didn't we didn't need him. We, uh, the, the three of them played so wonderfully together: Pedro, Hazard, and uh, um, who was the other one who was brilliant on the in the in the Bournemouth game. Um, was was William playing? I can't, uh, yeah, Pedro, Pedro Hazard and the other one was it? Pedro. No, no, I've mentioned Pedro already. Can't be Pedro Hazard and Pedro. I, I'd Fabregas. Like um, uh, <laughs> in, the, in the in the three, I can't remember what the three. <laughs> I can't remember what the three. But anyway, but you get you get my gist, which is that um, uh, I I also no, well, no, he basically he basically obvious, played William Pedro and Hazard, yeah, didn't he? Pedro and Hazard and one other who just played in the three there. No, no, my my main thing is that what if I, what. William, yeah, William. Yes, what it's become, what it's become apparent to me, and I've changed my tune a bit because I was saying, well, I don't think you know that, that Alonso's quite up for it, and I don't think that you know that that Cahill uh, um, could be replaced because he's a bit slow. And but I'm actually beginning to think that that perhaps I know I'm I'm complete. I was completely in the wrong, and that they're all part of the team ethic. It all works for them, and they can be played made to play out of their skin. So I was thinking, does he feel the same about some of the, the lesser lights? You know, will he, does he feel right? I think somebody's coming through. We won't need to purchase anybody. Um, but I ultimately think he'll look for a, 
for a centre and we need a striker. Definitely need a striker. That's what's required. But just because of Batshuayi not being mm. being up to it okay. at the moment. But that'll happen, I reckon, in the, I reckon in the summer. All right. Okay, well, all, of course, will be revealed uh, in a month's time, I suspect. Uh, but anyway, um, all will be revealed in the next part, which is coming up in a minute or two. But uh, after this very short little break where I'm going to go off and eat a mince pie, uh, we will be looking forward to the Spurs game, which I'm reliably informed by Marco is not tomorrow night, but it is, in fact, Wednesday night. But then again, if you're listening to this as a podcast tomorrow, then it will be tomorrow night. But hey, that's getting confusing and a bit Twilight Zone-ish. Anyway, either way, it's a must-win or perhaps a must-not-lose game. And uh, uh, picking up really from what, what Marco was talking about a minute ago, uh, I'm going to have a chat about whether we should really be worried about our rivals, uh, particularly bearing in mind that we're going to be playing three of them over the next four weeks. And uh, we'll also be picking Dan's brains about the CPO resolution uh, in the forthcoming CPO AGM. Not the CP3O AGM, I hasten to add. That will be more Jonathan's territory, really. Uh, but basically, it's around uh, the CPO discussing whether or not they should uh, offer Roman and the club a 999-year lease. But we'll talk about that in a minute. Real fans, real opinions. I'm Jason Cundy, and you're listening to the Chelsea Football Fancast. Proper Chelsea! Footballfancast.com Chidge. JK. In all the years you've been following Chelsea, you hardly ever miss a match, home or away. But how would you feel if you couldn't be there and it's not on TV? Oh, Chidge, I'd be bereft. Inconsolable. The thought of missing my beloved Blue Boys live. <laughs> It's all too much. <laughs> I know, JK, I know. It's all a bit too much, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> well, panic not. NordVPN have come to the rescue. They have? Yep, NordVPN allows us to watch any match, even if it's not on live TV here. They do? Yeah, they do. With just one click, they switch your virtual location to a country which is showing the match... And they act as your cyber bodyguard whilst online, protecting your personal data and sensitive info like card details and passwords. Oh, wow. Great. Uh, but yeah, I bet that'll cost me a fortune. Actually, JK, it's only the price of a cup of coffee per month. And you can use your account across six devices. It's a bargain, JK. And best of all, no more tears for you. Oh, thank you. Thank you, NordVPN. I'm so happy. I could cry. <laughs> Where do I sign up, Jidge? Well, to get the best discount off your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com forward slash Chelsea Fancast. There's no risk with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee, and you'll help support the Chelsea Fancast. The link is in the podcast episode description box. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Right, welcome back. I'm Stanford Chidge and you're listening to the Chelsea Fancast. Our first show of 2017 and uh, it's great to have uh, the you know, my usual suspects, one of whom of course is Jonathan Kidd. And uh, of course the lovely... 
the lovely Mark Worrell and the lovely Dan and, Levine. And We've got a very erudite cast on tonight's show. <laughs> I, heard, I thought I heard her dulcet Hello, tones. everyone, Misty. Uh, lovely. Good. Well, ha ha Happy New Year, Misty. Hello, Misty. <laughs> I tell you what, I, I thought of Misty the other day, Marco, when it was an absolute pea super in London town. Yeah. Misty morning. Clouded sky. Yeah, it was... It was a very Hi, misty night, morning. Darling. It was a very, very misty Hi. morning. Anyway. Bye. No, night, night, Love Misty. You. Right. Okay. Uh, turning, turn, <laughs> turning our attention to uh, Wednesday night. It is, for me, uh, the absolute epitome of a big match. It is mahusive. Uh, and my feelings are that we need to put them, uh, their dribbler-in-chief, one Harry Kane, and uh, also Arsenal fans in their place, because I think there's a lot of, uh, you know, if you pay any attention to Twitter, which we've already done to death tonight, uh, I think a lot of Arsenal fans, bizarrely, I mean, you know, they, it, it, you know, they're supposed to be their biggest rivals, and there are some Arsenal fans out there who want Spurs to do a number on us so that they keep their bloody fatuous record intact. But uh, for many and several reasons, it's massive for us... Uh, you know, I think to get a result up there, Marco, isn't it? But I mean, for me, that 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 goes way beyond the fact that it'd be nice to keep the run going. It'd be nice to get three points and keep ahead of the rivals. It's bloody Spurs, Marco. Yeah, you it's, know, it's that simple. It's, it's isn't interesting, it? actually. It's sort of in the build-up to this. Um, I, don't, I don't know if you ever look, look uh, follow um, Mark Lawrenson does this. Uh, results preview thing every every week with, with a celebrity on um it's just online on the bbc website and he and he reviews each match or previews each match and and he put on there he put on there this week something like i can't understand why this has all of a sudden become so such a spicy fixture for 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 both the players uh, and um, the supporters, and it, in a way, he's kind of right because it, it was always—it's um, always been, you know, there's always been something about the game, um, but it has, in you know, in the last couple of years, it's kind of escalated, um, you know, into I think perhaps more for the from the Spurs lot who didn't seem that bothered with it and were more focused on Arsenal in terms of their enmity. You know, we're now in the realms of Chelsea rent boys were coming for you and all this kind of nonsense. Um, Just say something yeah. in a, for a moment. Did you see that somebody on Twitter said that they thought they were calling us rent boys because we had so many pillars out <laughs> on loan? <laughs> Did you see that? <laughs> Who said that? Who said that? that? A tweet by somebody, a, a, a Spurs fan. <laughs> Completely misunderstood what it was all about. A naive Spurs fan. And he actually wrote that. And all his mate all his mates I think then to came be... back and said, you know, no, you idiot, it's nothing to do with that. Because they're all, you know, they're all they're all gay and they're all, you know, and he and he said he was just so naive. And I kept thinking, is this a Chelsea fan who's just winding them all up? But it wasn't. He was he had a Spurs Spurs fan. Well, I, I... But yeah. I, I well, I think to to put it in a bit of a wider context, Jonathan, that that you know, it was I think the Spurs uh, representative of their LBGT or LGBT uh, right. group yeah. had uh, 
coated them off for saying singing Chelsea Rent Boys were coming for you, quite right. rightly. So I think that that lad, I mean, either he was just retarded or naive, or he was making a very limp excuse for their rampant homophobia. <laughs> but frankly, whilst I think homophobia is absolutely abhorrent, I am more offended by the fact that London clubs are abusing us with rent boys when it was always the purview of Manchester and Liverpool, Marco, wasn't it? Well, exactly, yeah. Um, uh, yeah, so it was always kind of, you know, that, that, that sort of north-south north, thing, wasn't it? Um, as far as, far as yeah. the, the, the rent boy thing went, which, you know, I just find quite funny that... Um, it's Spurs fans uh, who are coming out with it now. Because I, I actually, I was just doing some research on something, and um, you know, the the the, the, the rent boy thing. Um, I, I was I was I had all that explained to me in finite detail. There was some some ridiculous hypotheses as to where it came from, but I actually got 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 to the truth of it. Um, you know, and it's more of a, it is more of a London thing, you know, from from the north. So quite why Spurs are deciding to jump on the bandwagon is laughable, really. Well, I think like most things, you know, any opportunity to give your your rivals a dig. But, I, I you know, from, from my memory, it was always what the Manx and the Scousers yeah, yeah. would sing to us back in the day. And... I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna repeat on air where it comes from. We've we've done it before, so let's just give that a swerve. But uh, um, you know, they, you know, there is something about Spurs. There's a, there's an enmity that goes back uh, between the two clubs way into the '60s, and uh, exacerbated by certain unruly behaviour in the '70s, shall we say? Um, so it matters, you know, it matters getting a result out there. And, and I think it was Dan, wasn't it, a minute ago? You were you were you were reminding us of the you know the thumping we got in our title-winning season. And in, in a sense, actually, I, I thought that was really quite interesting because you did bring some perspective on it. You know, we did get thumped by them 5-3. It felt like absolute shit at the time. But guess what? We won the title that season. And in some respects, that's way more important, isn't it, Dan? Well, it is. Um, and credit, it was actually Marco that mentioned it. But, um, but uh, did, you know, it did, it did feel, Sorry. It did feel pretty grim at the time. It was, it was uh, New Year's Day and it was, it was probably the start of the great Mourinho decline that he never really picked out of. Yes, we won the title that year, but it was the start of things going in the wrong direction. But I think um, the, uh, I think I'd like to quote um, a friend of the show. He who not, must not be named. We like to call him here and something I agree with him wholeheartedly. And they are, they, they, it is this at the beginning of every season, there's two things I want to happen. I want Chelsea to win the FA cup and I want us to beat Tottenham. Uh, and then I think I heard he, him say those words on, on, national radio once and i've got to say i wholeheartedly agree with that yeah quite right jonathan i would imagine you would wholeheartedly agree with yes. that wouldn't you <laughs> wholeheartedly in, in, in true forest gump style is that all you've got, to say, got to say about that I tell you what, you might like to have something a comment on because I know you were desperate to talk about it earlier on, and I, and I, I haven't forgotten largely because it's written in the script in front of me. But um, you you were you were kind of getting into it earlier on about whether he will pick Fabregas or Matic, and I have a suspicion 
that the reason he didn't play Matic against Stoke was because Matic was on a yellow, uh, you know, one yellow away from a ban and would have missed the Spurs match. So that kind of tells me that it's Matic that is going to start yeah. rather yeah. than Fabregas. Very good what do you point. Think? Very good point. Yeah, that was uh, that was said by the man behind me, who is my conscience. He said, "Yeah, of course." He said, uh, "He said Matic okay. is on uh, a yellow card." So he got he got that right. I, I didn't have to. Uh, Set him up for that, um, but yeah, that's a that's a distinct possibility. But um, uh, yeah, I actually think we'll start with Matic. But I, you know, it, it never it never it never behoves me to predict any manager selections because remember that when Ranieri was the the manager, we used to have a sweepstake every week as to whether he would pick what team he would pick. And uh, in the whole of the season, nobody won ever. It ever won. Never, never got right. <laughs> he would always choose. He always some. Mysterious <laughs> player would waddle their way in and then just play dreadfully and be substituted. Um, that's why I, I go on about the fact that you know that that history has been changed over Ranieri at Chelsea being a wonderful manager. No, he was not. Anyway, yes, um, yes, I think it'll I think it'll be Matic. Mm. Dan, would you agree with that? Do you think? Do you think? Uh, I mean, it, it seems to be logical to presume that it will be Matic. But here's another question for you: Should it be Fabregas? Um, I think, for all of the reasons already stated, yes, it will be Matic. And, and I think, um, like like Jonathan's conscience behind him, I think I, I noticed that at the time. Um, should it be Fabregas? I don't know. I mean, you see, I think it's going to be a game that requires an awful lot of hard work from eleven men. Um, and Fabregas is a player that looks very, very yeah. good when he's got a bit more space, but I don't think that space will be there at White Hart Lane. Also, he comes on very well, doesn't he? If you bring him on in a situation, yeah. he's, he's good at finding that killer pass in the last 20 minutes, if necessary. If he's on as a substitute, he's good at that as well. So. I still think he's, a, he's an essential part of the squad, by the mm. way, because there have also been rumours about him going at Christmas, um, going to Spain. That was, that was mentioned on Twitter by a variety of sources. But... Um, uh, I think he fits perfectly in the squad as a, um, uh, you know, almost as a super sub, just comes on and changes the pattern and and is wonderfully creative. But he's, as you say, it's it's from the com- competitive aspect, he's he's just easily walked through. So. Well, I mean, on, on an unrelated point, I, I think that well, actually, that it, it is related to Fabregas clearly, but. I think his attitude uh, as a, as a member of the squad this season has been absolutely exemplary, and I have to be honest, I never thought he had it in him, but he's proved me wrong on that. Uh, and the other thing, this is the unrelated point. Um, Oscar skedaddled off pretty bloody quickly when he knew he wasn't going to get a sniff, and uh, it, it amazed me. And all the talk about Oscar buggering off to China the other week, not one pen, not not one person I saw on Twitter mentioned that we sacrificed one matter for Oscar. You know, think about those apples. Yeah. Anyway, whilst you're thinking about those apples, Marco, um, picking up on something that you were really talking about in the last part as well. And, and um, there's been a lot of talk, uh, particularly in the red-tinted media, uh, that uh, we should all be really shitting a brick because Spurs, Liverpool, Arsenal, United and City are all hot on our tails, you know. Uh, and apparently, according to Jurgen Klippity Klopp, um, you know, we should be really worried and annoyed that we're only, uh, well, now five points ahead of Liverpool, uh, not six, which we were. Um, Marco seems to be very nonplussed by all that, judging by what you were saying in part two. Not worried at all by the sounds of it, mate. No, I, I, I just, you know, let 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 them eat cake. Let them all talk, um, you know. <laughs> uh, and, and we will look down from them, from from the heavens, <laughs> With our six-point 
advantage. Um, just let me have a quick look at the league table as it stands. Hold on, where are we near? Well, we're five points above Liverpool. Well, I'm just. Well, they only picked up a point today, didn't they? So yeah. So five points ahead with yeah. the game in hand. I take that. Seven points ahead of City. Yeah. Nine yeah. points ahead of Arsenal. Ten points ahead of Spurs. I mean, and, and United. And I think that's the reality. I. I think I think there are two things at play here, aren't there? Though I mean, one is that. Um, there is an awfully long way to go. I mean, you know, there's another 19 games to play in this season, so it ain't over yet. And I think we'd be foolish to even begin to think that it was. But on the other hand, we've been around the block long enough to know that you get a lead of about 9, 10, 11, 12 points over exactly. your rivals. That means you've got to lose four you know, games. Say, you've got to lose four games for them to overtake you. Know, you know, if you, if, you, if, you, if you sort of get into you know, fixture analysis and all that kind of stuff. You know, we've we've got to we've got to play Liverpool away. That's not going to be easy. Um or or is it? <laughs> you know, we've got to play Tottenham away. Well Mark Mark and we've got to play United away. And they're all in the next four weeks, mate. Well, and they're all they're all in the next well, we United United and City at home are towards the well, end. I think they're April and May. Well I think they're both in April. But next four weeks yeah, next four weeks, we've got Spurs uh, on Wednesday, we've got Liverpool away on the 31st, and we've got Arsenal at home on the 4th. I mean, in a sense, actually, this may well be the defining point of our season because if we were to pick up, if we won each of those games, in a sense, that's going to extend the gap even further, isn't it, Dan? Yeah, um, we. Um, I think I heard Pat Nevin on the radio earlier this evening saying if Chelsea are, are one point ahead after this run of games, then they'll probably be very, very pleased. And I think that's right because we've, we've, we've had a... Um, a really good run yeah. now. We're going to a very difficult run. Um, just a little bit of context. We mentioned earlier in the show that when Conte came in, his objective was top four. We're currently on 49 points. Top four realistically requires 70 points. It did the season before last, less than that last season. So from 19 games remaining, to reach that objective, Conte only needs to get 21 points. Job done, frankly. You know, the, the guy has wow. been a success. Yeah, it's a good point. And I mean, to put the to put that to change that statistic a little bit, Dan, uh, if we doubled our points tally from our first nineteen games, we'd have ninety eight points, which is getting close to the record that we set. I think, isn't yeah. it, for points uh, uh, record number of points? And of course, it's something that uh, Conte. I mean, the, it'll be very it'll be very interesting to see how this season pans out. But it, in a sense, it's already following a Conte pattern. You know, changing the system at the back to three at the back going on a massive unbeaten run. I mean, he, he went a whole bloody season with Juve unbeaten and he broke the, ro- uh, the record points for Serie A in the process. So, you know, let's, let's hope he continues in that vein. Uh, Jonathan, before we, we talk about the CPO, I just want to get your thoughts on that because, I mean, you, like me, are the world's biggest pessimist when it comes to Chelsea. So are you worried at all? Or, or do, you, do you think that the next month really will, in some respects, define our, our title challenge if we can win against uh, both, well, against Liverpool, Spurs well, yeah, and but Arsenal? Yeah, but if we beat all of those, I think we beat all of them, we've essentially, we keep on with the same momentum. We've essentially won the title, haven't we? Um but but at yeah. the same time, I, you know, I'm always, as I yeah. said, I'm filled with the fear that we will suddenly go on a, a run of losing 
nine in a row or something. But that not that that ever happens. But that's in my yeah. my, my bring, worst. Bring back Jeff Hurst. All is yeah, exactly, forgiven. Exactly. <laughs> my worst nightmare. But there, there, to be <laughs> fair, we, we weren't actually playing very well at the time anyway. So uh, um, in the, the Blanche Flower Hurst era. So uh, um, there was a precedent being set. We were playing each week dreadfully and losing. So, you know, that sort of made sense as opposed to playing wonderfully. Um, but, yeah, I, there's always the feeling of doubt in my mind. But what one forgets, of course, is that everybody else around will will no doubt lose points. You keep thinking that, you know, because Liverpool went on, a, 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 they had a run of four games, um, four wins in a row, that they were somehow going to emulate Chelsea. And, that, and now everybody's thinking that United will emulate Chelsea. But hang on a sec. They're all playing not very good teams at the moment. All right. Um, um, Liverpool beat City, but City aren't very good uh, at the moment. So, uh, and uh, they've all got feet of clay. As I said earlier on, the, and as Marco said, the the press and uh, uh, and the media are very keen on on uh, and even Klopp himself on on talking Liverpool up um, as being you know the next great team. Remember how they did it under Rodgers? They thought they were going to win the title, and then we scuppered it for them because they they always want Liverpool to be up there. And of course, they haven't been up there for how many years is it now? Twenty-six or something, much like Spurs. So, uh... well, according to Jamie, according to Jamie Redknapp, according to Jamie, Jamie Redrup, that's what the neutrals want. And apparently, Liverpool have had their punishment, which begs the question: What are they being punished for? <laughs> Answers on a postcard, please. It's for being please. so successful. That. But there we go. But yeah, so no. But I know I'm. Yeah, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm you know, quietly f- confident. Yeah. It's a question of whether yeah, we good. get oh, that's, 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 that get makes a nice out. change for you, JK. What, good for me, isn't it? That I know. Well, it is. It is. Well, look, amen to that. Listen, we we, we got to move on to do to do the CPO, but before we do that, um, uh, Football Fancast are running a little promotion in uh, in the conjunction with the lovely people at Now TV. Now, Now TV, from what I can understand, is a means of being able to watch Sky Sports without having to have a Sky uh, satellite dish or even a Sky contract, which is uh, a rather onerous thing for those of us who have them. Uh, But obviously, uh, if you're not lucky enough to have a ticket for uh, the game against Spurs on Wednesday, and tickets are like rocking horse shit, uh, judging by the amount of appeals for tickets and spares that are going around on Twitter at the moment, uh, if you don't have Sky TV and you don't have a ticket to the game, you can still watch it if you go uh, to Now TV. And grab yourself a day pass for the price of £6.99p, which is uh, a lot cheaper than a Sky contract and a lot cheaper than a ticket to the match, if, if albeit not perhaps as fun. Um, now, uh, to do this, you need to go to the link that I will put uh, out with this show when I put it out up on our website tonight, and I'll be tweeting and Facebooking it all uh, over the next couple of days before the game. But do uh, take that up, and then you can uh, you can watch it on, on Sky, on Now TV. Obviously, only if you're in England, because, of course, if you're in the States, you'll probably get it on bloody terrestrial channel. You don't have to pay for it. But anyway, as I'm not over there, I don't really know. Anyway, enough of that. Um, we uh, now really need to talk about something of great import. Uh, I mean, obviously, I got wind of it, and no doubt Jonathan and, and Marco did as well, because, of course, the emails from the C- uh, Chelsea pitch owners have all gone out. But... Uh, Dan picked this up uh, very quickly last night, and uh, as all good journalists do, he ran with it, and he's put out a, an intriguing article. In fact, the other thing that I have to commend Dan for, not that, not that I don't like commending Dan, I'm always happy to commend Dan, but he wrote an article about this months ago, suggesting that one solution to the 
apparent impasse between the club and uh, the Chelsea pitch owners um, was to uh, issue uh, an extension of the lease, Dan. So all, all praise and kudos to you for, for getting in there way, way, way uh, ago. But would you like to kind of explain what's happened? Yeah, um, this is quite complicated stuff. And, and I think it's credit to Chelsea supporters that when I've written something on this, which is basically seven, eight hundred words of complex land law and stuff like that, people have really run with it and people have been really engaged with it and they, they've understood the issues. Um, I always say when I'm talking about CPO, um, there was a, a 19th century political fallout and impasse between Germany, Denmark and Prussia <laughs> called the Schleswig-Holstein question. And Palmerston, who was uh, the, the, the British Prime Minister at the time, said only three people have ever, ever really understood the Schleswig-Holstein business. The Prince Consort, who is dead, a German professor who's gone mad, and I, who've forgotten all about it. And CPO does feel a little bit like that sometimes. Um, but this issue mm. here, to cut a long story shorter, is that... Um, to make the redevelopment of Stamford Bridge happen, um, there's a, a, a sort of a thought that maybe Roman Abramovich might need to own the freehold of the, the stadium. If he, if he wants foreign investors or, or any sort of investment at all, he needs to have some sort of security on their investment, and that would be ownership of the site. Now, Chelsea pitch owners own the site. They own the freehold. Um, and they don't want to sell it because the people who own CPO are fans um, a few people on this this program, in fact, I think probably all of us, have have shares in CPO. Yeah, all of us, um, yeah. and all sorts of other people as well. Um, yeah. Now that, of course, last time he tried to buy it, caused all sorts of fallout and all sorts of upset, and uh, it was ultimately unsuccessful. What CPO, the directors of CPO, are now saying is here is a solution that might work. They're asking CPO shareholders for permission to extend to to, to to, to have the power to extend Chelsea's lease on Stamford Bridge. At the moment, it's 180 years long. Um, if, for example, they could go to Chelsea and say, we can extend your lease to 1,000 years. 999 is actually the, the legal limit. Um, so 10, 10 centuries. Then why would he need to buy it? Um, we're basically saying we're going to loan something to you for next to nothing forever. So why would you want to buy it off us? And it's a little piece of genius, really, if you think about it, because it, if it works and if people accept it and if Abramovich goes for it, then it removes all of the need from com for conflict from the situation. It gives Abramovich potentially the certainty of more or less owning the ground and then he can get whatever investment he wants to rebuild it. Now, this is something that is going to be decided by CPO shareholders at the AGM at the end of this month. Um, and well, most of the signs are that it might be carried in the right direction. Yeah. I mean, it's an interesting point, isn't it, Dan? Because, of course, you know, we, we don't know. I mean, what, what our presumption has always been that Roman's going to put his hand in his very substantial pocket and pull out 500 million and get the stadium built. But, you know, logic also dictates that, you know, he's also a businessman and he may well try and raise some investment to... Uh, to, to help him out on that and uh you know if people are going to invest in something they usually need some sort of a guarantee or security of tenure in yeah. a way isn't it and of course that's what a long lease would would do it would make it a sounder investment and i think the interesting thing that i, I picked up in your article was that liverpool actually did very much the same thing didn't yes. they 
with the council. Was it Liverpool? No, it was it Everton? It was, I can't. It was, yeah? Liverpool. It was it was Liverpool. A, a similar sort of situation. Liverpool at a time, a little time ago, were looking at maybe building a new ground on Stanley Park. Now, Stanley Park is owned by Liverpool City Council. And if they were going to do that, it was going to be something that would cost hundreds of millions of pounds. OK, the land values on Merseyside are obviously a lot smaller than they are in West London, but it's still massive, massive money. Um, so the City Council said to them, we will give you a 999-year lease on the bit of Stanley Park you want so that you can attract people to put money in. Now, in the end, Liverpool decided that's not the way they're going to go. And, of course, they're rebuilding Anfield bit by bit. But it shows that there's a precedent there and it's something that could potentially be uh, under consideration for Chelsea. I mean, are there, are there any other issues uh, with this? I mean, you know, as a, as a CPA shareholder myself, I would be in favour of of backing that because it seems to me to be one way of uh, hopefully easing the passage to getting a stadium, the stadium rebuilt at Stamford Bridge, uh, but also means that, as you said, that that the that Roman and the club shouldn't need to, you know, buy out the CPO. Which we all, I think, all the CPO shareholders that I know see that as a as a protection against anything that might happen in the future. You know, it keeps football being played at Stamford Bridge, which is the whole point. But are there any other issues there, given the makeup of the shareholders at the moment? Because they're quite a diverse bunch. Yeah, they, they? are, um, and you know, there are people who bought one hundred pound CPO shares for all sorts of different reasons. I think all of us bought them because we wanted to secure the future of Chelsea at Stamford Bridge, and we saw that as money we were just giving away to a good cause. Um, there are people who bought them because they have close business links with the club and might be motivated by other things. And there are also people who bought them because they wanted to make a profit on them. Now, it's this last group that might be a bit of an issue, because if they're told you can't take any money out of your shareholding for 999 years, you can see it's not re- it's a bit of a deal breaker, isn't it, really? Um, so it's difficult to know how many yeah. people fall into each camp. Um, but, you know, the. Uh, when, when it comes down to the vote on January the 27th, when, when, when the, the AGM is held at, uh, at Stamford Bridge, we'll find out. I think there were, weren't there a lot mm. of people... Mm. Interesting that, stuff. Weren't, uh, weren't chat. there were a lot of people who um, bought shares recently because they were trying to get uh, uh, the majority to, uh, to overturn um, the club's um, failure to, uh, to win the initial vote. Um, uh, so there were large tranches of shares bought by uh, um, people affiliated with the club, allegedly. That's what I was told at the time. And it was purely to be, and it was almost like gerrymandering. You know, it was an attempt to um, to uh, to buy votes, essentially. Um, that, was, that was certainly the accusation at the time in 2011, which of course was. is five, six years ago now. Um, yeah. Since then, CPO has been reformed very much. Uh, it's, it's been... Uh, changed in the way it's operating and it's selling quite a large number of shares it's selling five six seven hundred every year um the total sold is twenty thousand in all but almost all of them are going to single shares to single individuals who are chelsea yeah. fans which, which is why ken bates set it up what um is if if, if by mm. any chance uh, roman then sold the club would, would they would the the event the next owners be obligated still to keep football there if they own the lease would that be written into the uh, um, uh, to the extension of the lease that it would be for, for having football played on the pitch or could they do anything with it once they had the lease well this is the key difference between the lease being bought out and the lease being extended if the lease was bought out if Roman came to CPO and said 
uh, I'm going to have that off you and here's a load of money. And he could yeah. do whatever he likes with it. Yeah. Um, and of course, after Roman, his son or his grandson or whoever else comes along could do what they like with it. And a lot of people feel that that doesn't offer the certainty that you've got at the moment. If we extend the lease, if CPO extend it to almost in perpetuity, then the articles remain the same. It would always be football have to be played there. Yes, I understand. Yeah. And C CPO requires that um, Chelsea effectively, if they are to maintain the status of being Chelsea Football Club, have to play their games at Stamford Bridge. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Marco, you got any comments? Not really. The only thing it, 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 the, the the conversation um, brings to the to the fore again is is just I was asked there was a conversation at the stall um, the other day uh, that the the whole sort of move come ground redevelopment um, has all gone very very quiet. Uh, so. It's, it's th th those things are always lurking in the background. What, what's going on? Well, um, from that point of view, Marco, the um, uh, mm. at the moment, Hammersmith and Fulham Council have still got the planning application. It's an yeah. enormous, enormous planning application, so these things do take time, and it's been through a number of different iterations as well. There have been changes required to it. We're expecting to see them called to make a decision on it sometime early in the new year it might be february it might be march who knows administratively it might be pushed on a little bit further um but that is the next you know that's the next uh, yardstick in it and and anything else regarding a temporary ground uh, and, and and moving out stanford bridge can only follow that but the soundings uh, i'm getting are that mm. and i think it's the question jonathan's probably about to ask how long um, no 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 in fact sorry. in fact uh, dan i am um... I went to, I'm the fans forum representative for, for Aussies and I went to uh, uh, the first meeting and Bruce Buck was there and they did a, um, uh, 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 how would you call it, um, the, the designer and the architect the, uh, of the, the ground were there and they did a, a little show of uh, all the prospects for the ground and he said Bruce Buck's big thing was that we're going to Wembley and we'll, we can move very quickly. So uh, I was a bit taken aback by that, but the and the design of the ground is absolutely fabulous because I hadn't didn't realise that mm. the crozier in the badge uh, is related to, to um, uh, Westminster Abbey, and apparently some of the um, the money that originally was put into the club came from a connection with Westminster Abbey, and so the buttresses that they're building in London brick, which they're having to um, stockpile because it's unbelievably expensive will have an echo of westminster abbey in them and i i hadn't i had no clue about how phenomenally a expensive and uh also beautiful the ground will be it was absolutely breathtaking it was and i suddenly had a, a feeling one was dealing with with with, with abramovich a man who really cared about the club because the ground is going to be uh, well or alternatively he cares about you know having the best in the world like his yacht because it will be a phenomenal design. I mean, absolutely brilliant. But sorry to interrupt you, Dan. Sorry. Yes. Well, let's. Let, that's all right. No, and we and we really need to kind of move on. Sadly, but uh, I it, it, look. Bottom line is, uh, you know, personally, I hope that we uh, that the CPO do get that resolution passed because I think it for me, it, it, as Dan said, it, it seems to it will ease the passage of that, and no doubt we will be 
hearing some good news uh, very soon. And I think on, on Jonathan's point about it being uh, related to the Archbishop of Westminster, in, in a sense, it's a shame it's not the Archbishop of Banterbury, really. Uh, it'd be a, be a bit more appropriate for Chelsea, but there you go. Uh, now, um, very quickly, thank Dan. Thank I mean, very lucky and very serendipitous that we should have you on the show tonight as, as that all broke. Uh, so thank you for explaining that to us uh, in detail. That's really, really useful. Thank you. Now, um, uh, I, I will dispense with the usual plugs that I normally do at this juncture, but I will not dispense with the plug for the CPO. So if you want to own a little bit of Chelsea and protect the future of the club, all you need to do is go and buy a share um, and the Chelsea pitch owners, of course, you know, who, as Dan was explaining, own the freehold of Stamford Bridge and their aim is to ensure that Chelsea Football Club remain playing on that hallowed turf. Um, all you have to do is to go to info at email, info at chelseapitchowners.com or check out chelseafc.com forward slash fans forward slash Chelsea hyphen pitch hyphen owners. You can also follow them uh, at uh, pitch owners on Twitter and the shares, I think the, the cheapest are around 100 quid, just over 100 quid. Uh, and I, I would imagine if you get one in, if you put your application in now, you still might get a vote in the meeting on the twenty seventh of, no. uh, of January. Sorry, I'm afraid, I'm afraid I'm not, not sure about that. that. Yeah, not on that know, one. Who... Um, but if I can chip it, is that is that a no then? No, because the articles have gone out already. But if I can chip in one other thing of value on that, um, another reason to sign up is that um, next month there's going to be a CPO dinner, and the guests of honour there and, and main speaker will be one Antonio Conte. Uh, and if you're a CPO shareholder, you get a discount on tickets for it. Oh, there we go. Do you also get a share? I saw I, when I saw the the email. You could like buy a share, and it gets you into the. I don't know. Don't quote me on that because I've obviously misread it. And anyway, we should move on. Uh, right now, after the break, we're going to have uh, loads of emails uh, from the velvety voice, Jonathan Kidd. Well, they're not from him, but he's going to read them out. So we'll speak to you in a second. <laughs> Fans, real opinions. I'm Jason Cundy, and you're listening to the Chelsea Football Fancast. Up the Chelsea Football Fancast.com. and we have uh, the musician Mark Worrell in our midst, uh, also known for his performance in the Dave Clark no, fight. Manfred Mann, actually. Was that, was that Mike Manfred Mann? Oh, you're right, aren't you? Uh-huh. Yeah. It was a man. Yeah, well, you, you were a teenager, teenager in the 60s, so no, I remember I that. 25, actually. <laughs> it's all right, mate. I thought you were actually in Manfred Mann, yeah, weren't I was, you? Yeah, uh, I was the drummer. You were, indeed. So we've got the drummer of Manfred Mann, also known as Jonathan Kidd. Uh, we've got Dave Clark, also known as Mark Worrell. And we've got Dan. Uh, if you were a, if you were a musical Steely person Dan. from the past, Dan, who would you be? Steely Dan. Steely Dan. Steely Dan. <laughs> Steely Dan. Very, very good. <laughs> very good. Fantastic. Fantastic. There we go. I, I'll now allow you to answer, Dan. Although you're not, you're, you're not going to better that. <laughs> I can't. I'd like. I tell you what. I used to live next door to one of the pole cats. <laughs> Who, who Marco might remember, I don't know. I remember the Polecats, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I, 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 would have, I really wanted to be in the Polecats when I was a kid. Yeah. You lived next door to the Polecats. You've learned something yeah, I did, I did. <laughs> anyway, that's enough reeling in, that's enough reeling in le- the le- years. 
Yeah, we're, we're eating into Jonathan's it, time, it, and he's, he's making us very aware of that. Without further ado, Jonathan, over it, to said, you. That's enough reeling in the years, I said. Oh, sorry, I missed that. That's oh, very good. Very, very good. Anyway. Must have been a royal scam. Clever, clever. Yes, very good, very good. Yeah, I won't say any more. Um, uh, other than uh, there isn't one for Peg, is there here? Yeah. No, there isn't. Okay. Um, email one. You see, that's another Steely Dan song, anybody listening. It's a bit too complicated. Um, email one. Come on, Josie, Akshay get on with Akshay it. Akshay A. Murray. I hope I pronounced your name right, Akshay. Um, Dear Chidge and fellow blues, having been a frequent listener of this fantastic podcast, well said, for a long time, the possibility of Mr. Jonathan Kidd reading out my email in his velvety voice <laughs> <laughs> finally lured me into writing to you. Oh, Ashke, 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 Ashke. Let me start. Let me start. Stop with, it. Yeah, stop it. Yeah. Let me start with a with a brief introduction. I am originally from India, a resident of Mumbai, and have been a Chelsea fan since '99. Growing up in a cricket-dominated country, who are very, very good, of course, football on TV was a rare thing. However, as we appreciated the turn of them, as we approached, I'm sorry, the turn of the millennium, things began to change. Rupert Murdoch's TV machine gradually started spreading its tentacles, I said tentacles, into Asia, and we were introduced to the odd Champions League game along with a handful of Manchester United and Arsenal games. As popularity grew and more games were being broadcast on a Sunday evening, I happened to witness a marauding team dressed in blue put five past the mighty Manchester United. Without reply, I was hooked and have been ever since. Eventually, I moved to California, where Chelsea have a massive following. And after spending more than half a decade there, I now reside in Oxford. This does make it easier to, ca to catch games on the telly than from California. Where Chelsea, um, excuse me, my page is moving all over the place. Where Chelsea have a massive following, and after spending more than half a decade there, I said I now reside in Oxford. This does make it easier to catch games on the telly than from California, where the early Saturday kickoff meant TV dates at 4:30 a.m. My first game at the Bridge was during our most recent title-winning run, where one of the Burnley Neanderthals, Ashley Bastard Barnes. Oh. I agree completely with Akshay. I saw him playing the other day for, for, for Burnley, and I thought, oh, God, you bastard. Um, nearly broke Matic's leg in half. It seemed like that horrendous tackle and Matic's inexplicable subsequent suspension had a bit of an effect on his form, which carried on into the disaster that was last season. I'm so happy that Conte has him out of his sulk. I feel he's vital to the defensive solidity of the 3-4-3, the absence of which against... Uh, the absence of which was evident against City. Although we came out with a brilliant result from the game, it was evident that all of City's threat came from our left, where Matic provides great cover for Alonso. In an effort to not make this too long, I would like to end on our resident Italian. Antonio Conte has brought such a breath of fresh air to the place, has he not? Intensity, charisma, personality, humility and performance. This is such a rare set of attributes to possess, and I am positively chuffed that he's ours. I hope he keeps going and keeps calling the bridge his home for as long as possible. We may be witnessing one of the best Chelsea seasons right now, and long may that continue. Fantastica. Forza Chelsea. Ashke A. Murray. Terrific. Terrific email. 
Whoa, fabulous Terrific. email. Terrific. Very good point about Matic, of course, because it was true, actually, in the uh, Stoke game, is Alonso wasn't actually involved as much. You wonder whether Matic is there because he solidifies that area, allows, his, allows Alonso to get further forward all the time. Very good point. But also that Ashley Barnes foul. God save us. How dreadful was that? And I was watching the other it? day and I thought, when Chelsea play Burnley, I really hope he's given a hard time. Oh, we played them already, haven't we? Um, but he wasn't playing, was he, Barnes? He was, uh, yeah. he was injured. Um, but no. uh, yeah, oh God, dreadful, dreadful. Filthy player. Anyway, well done. Terrific email. Lovely. Very well written. Very well written. Should we do the second one? Anybody else want to say anything about it? No? Yeah, right. go for this, it. No, this is no, from Chris good. Enright. Hello, Chidge and the boys from the great state of Texas. I played soccer as a kid, always respected the Premier League, the best league in the world, and I enjoyed watching when I could. When I got a table, cable TV package that included all the games before the 2006-2007 season, I watched so much that I decided I needed to pick a team and put my heart into it. So I've been a Chelsea supporter for 10 years now. I know that I missed the times of consistently awful results and poor table finishes, but being a new supporter, I want to truly thank you for mentoring me in the ways of the club. Once I found your podcast, I loved hearing the stories of the club's great players and the history of great matches. You also taught me how to be proper Chelsea especially help me, helping me to learn the songs sung on the terraces. I really miss, perhaps it should be proper chels, proper chels. I really miss some of those old segments of your show that go beyond the current club matches and issues. Also, now that you're Skyping with your show co-hosts, how about bringing back fan cast legends like Dr. Mart occasionally? Well, would he want to? <laughs> After listening to the show for many Never. years, this is my first email. And the reason I'm writing now is my hope and prayer that Chelsea will not hand out the number eight shirt to another player now that Oscar's sold. I still remember the anger I felt the first time I heard that Oscar was wearing Lampard's number. Yes, I'm a relatively <laughs> new supporter, but Lampard is a legend. And it seemed very disrespectful to give the number eight to another player literally months after he left the club honourably. Now that Oscar's gone, I sincerely hope that the club will make that right by withholding that number. I would like to understand more how English clubs assign player numbers and the context for retiring jersey numbers. I did some research, or research, as they say in the States, and found that Chelsea has never, been, has never really retired a number like American clubs of all sports do but that no player has received the number 25 since the incredible Gianfranco Zola. In my humble opinion, no other player should wear the number eight and no other player should wear number 26 after the captain, leader, legend leaves the club. So please help me understand how this works at English clubs and if my anger is somehow justified or totally misplaced. Also, what other numbers should be considered for retirement by Chelsea? Keeping the blue flag flying high, deep in the heart of Texas. Deep in the heart of Texas. Your dedicated listener, Chris Enright. P.S. Love the new preview show with Kerry Dixon. Another terrific mail. Hey, letter. Yeah. Another one. Terrific. Mm. Very good points. I can. I think we we just well. I definitely, there's some some questions that need some answers here. I can answer the first one. 
about Dr. Mart, Chris. Uh, Dr. Mart was offered uh, a spot on this show when we moved it onto Skype, and his response was, what's Skype? <laughs> Which kind of... Yes. Which kind of, kind of, kind of, you know, yeah. I, I, I just gave up after that, so that's it. No more Dr. Mart, I'm afraid, much as I love him. Uh, so there you go. So there won't, will never be Dr. Mart on this show again to my knowledge but you know, you know in this business you can never say never um here's a question i mean i don't know what you lot think about this um i don't know the answer to why we don't retire shirts they're shirts by the way chris not jerseys uh, i don't know why we we don't retire them jonathan why why do you know Does i think it's quite know? difficult to that we still have a slight feeling that every player is one to 12 i always think you know and if you're in the likely to be in the first team you might end up like eight is such an obvious number, you know, you wouldn't have that because it's like an inside rights associated with it. I know we try and think about squad numbers and some some squads occasionally go up to 65 just for the hell of it. But um, uh, I felt that eight was too obvious a number, whereas you can you can retire 25 because normally players with 25 don't often play in the club. You know, it's almost as if uh, I think he got 25 because he came later on in the season, didn't he, Zola? Um I mean, you know, the the, the mm. club had already had had given out its numbers, but normally they just slot in. You know, Oscar got eight from Lampard because he was the same. It was a midfield number because it's associated with with the position. Normally, there's an element of that, isn't there? Like the right backs are two, the left back gets the three. It's still happening, isn't it? It still happens. You know, because Branner's, Branner's mm. two, isn't it? So yeah. um, I don't think there's that many teams have done it though. No, but we don't. We don't do it in England. Is that we don't? Well, West Ham, West Ham have retired. West Ham retired the six shirt, didn't they? When Bobby Moore passed away. Um, I don't know. I don't. Hmm. Don't know any other Premier League teams that. Can't, can't think of any that have done it other than West Ham. It's a very rare thing in England, um, and and I think for the reasons that you say because. You know, obviously, uh, American sports tend to have, have always had a large sweep of squad numbers. If you think of gridiron and you think of stuff like that, you've had players up in the 70s, 80s, 90s, whatever, um, in, 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 in uh, English soccer, football, whatever you want to call it. It has always been 1 to 11, hasn't it? So we, don't, we just don't tend to do that. Yeah. Yeah, I thought just, just, just mm. I know. Oh, well, we'll never I know, know one interesting little story um, in Italy. Um, Paolo Maldini, who who you'll remember, played for Milan with great distinction. They retired his number three shirt, um, but what they said was he. I think he's got um, his sons are both. Um, playing for Milan's junior sides. And what they've said is that if, if either of them make make the first team, they, they can wear his shirt. Cool. No, no pressure, no pressure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine that. Well, I don't know. Frank Excellent stuff. All right. Chidge, we'll, uh, we'll go straight to Charlie Warren, OK? No, 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 go for it. Go all and read right, the right. poem out. Um, here's a Christmas poem by Bob Jenkins, which is very clever. Uh, it's a, a, a Chelsea Christmas poem written by Old Toasty on Reddit. It would be such a treat to hear this to be read by Mr. Kidd. Oh, thank you very much, Bob. Happy Christmas, a pleasant new year to you all. 
it, it's based on uh, the night before Christmas. You're ready, everybody, for this? It's my best poetry for you. Oh, yes. The night I've got my mince oh, pie at the ready because this is a long one. Twas the night before Christmas. I'm sounding slightly like James Hayter. Remember him? No. Twas the night before Christmas when all down at the bridge Diego Costa was pillaging through the club's fridge. The stockings were hung by Zuma with care in hopes that DDA Drogba soon would be there. The blues were nestled all snug in their beds while visions of 2012 danced in their heads and Teddy in his full kit and Chesk in his cap. Diego and Kante were banned for a long winter's nap. When down at Cobham there arose such a clatter, Conte sprang from his bed to see what was the matter. Away to the byline the ball flew like a flash. Chalabar backed David up in a pre-Christmas clash. Courtois was practising on the new-fallen snow when Lampard arrived and placed it below. When, what to my wondering eyes should appear, but Diego Costa downing a beer. William and Pedro, our drivers so lively and quick, tried to pull off a hard rainbow flick. When suddenly a familiar face he did came. Jose was back and called the players by name. Now, Pedro, now, Cahill, now, Hazard and Kante. On, Terry, on, Matic, on, Ruben and Conte. Stop embarrassing me on top of the league. My return to the bridge was old-fashioned Brits creed. Just as the blues were ready to fly, when they meet with an obstacle mount to the sky. Better check had returned, with no trophies to boast. He sat at the table and enjoyed Lampard's roast. And then Kennedy woke feeling aloof, knowing Big Sam and Palace would play on the hoof. Ramirez, remember when he turned it around, a chip over Valdez and we were champions bound. Remy was dressed all in bandages from his head to his foot and thought back to a time when his goals were well put. Baker, Brown and Solanke would soon be back, hoping to play before the manager's sack. His eyes, how they twinkled, not yet broken by loans. They knew their England place wouldn't be taken by stones. Old legends were back and dressed in a bow. Zola, Osgood and Tamblin arrived in the snow. They looked at the table and smiled with glee. To keep winning games, that was their plea. All with broad faces we started to sing. We would never forget Drogba, our king. Batshuay awaited a chance, a right jolly old elf. Bournemouth wouldn't be laughing when they fall down the shelf. Jose was gone, and with a twist of his head, seeing him at United, it filled us with dread. He spoke not a word, but went straight to his work, and lasted three seasons, then turned with a jerk. And this might not have been what he chose. We'll give him the nod when at the bridge he doth rose. Terry sprang to his sleigh, to his team gave a whistle. As Piliqueta's gift to us all was a shot like a missile. But I heard Blues exclaim as we rose out of sight. Happy Christmas to all and to all a good night. Ho, ho, ho. Outstanding. Ho, 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 ho. Oh, was that was that Richard Burton that there was, for a minute? Do you know what, J.K.? It was a touch of Richard Burton. I was going to say a touch of very old actors, a touch of Alice. Alice it was very Sin, good. Several other people involved. Thank you. Should we do the last one? I, yeah. Jonathan, I thought very Alistair Sim, very Alistair Sim. I tell you what, all I have to say about that is that if I'd have read it out, it would have been absolute <laughs> shit. So well done, you. That was fantastic. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for the opportunity. We're, we're, we're privileged, mate. I tell you, we're, we're seriously privileged to have you with us to do that kind of thing. Thanks for the opportunity, Mr. Chidge. It's very nice of you. Thank you. It's all right. Checks Thank in the post, you. mate. Bye. Oh, no. Uh, Charlie Warren, last one. 
dear Chidgen team, Putney born Chelsea fan. No, one more you after are, that. One after that, of course there is. Sorry, yeah, no, bloody hell, like Simon Lewis, yeah. Did yep. Chidgen team, Putney born Chelsea fan in exile in Singapore here. I've only recently discovered your show, but I'm already completely hooked. It can get lonely out here. Too many plastic gooners as usual. And I cannot tell you how much I enjoy listening to you and the team each week. Anyway, enough about me. I'm writing in to ask for a shout out to some other members of the global CFC community. I spent this Christmas with my family in Hanoi, beautiful city with some of the cheapest beer in the world, but I digress. Obviously desperate to catch the Bournemouth game, I reached out to the official Chelsea Supporters Club Vietnam for advice. Club, club secretary Zung, pronounced Zung, promptly invited me to a Chelsea bar showing the game. I arrived to be greeted by Zung and the Supporters Club, who kindly gave me a CFC Vietnam 2017 calendar. It's pretty cool. And informed me that as their guests, they would not let me pay for any drinks for the entire evening. Needless to say, I got smashed with about 70 other Chelsea, all Vietnamese, while watching us destroy Bournemouth. Zoom set up the CFC Supporters Club 10 years ago, and they have over 1,500 members across Vietnam. For the big Saturday games, there will regularly be over 100 members congregating at the bar. Pretty impressive stuff, I'm sure you'll agree. I had a great time with Zoom and the boys, and I wanted to give them a shout-out for being lovely hosts, and most importantly, for keeping the blue flag flying high in Vietnam. If 2016 has taught us that the world can be an uncertain place, then it's very reassuring to be able to find fellow Chelsea fans in all corners. Which leads me on to a question for you and the team. Where is the most random or bizarre place you've ever watched a Chelsea game? Happy holidays to you, the team, and Chelsea fans the world over. Keep up the awesome work. Cheers, Charlie. So, Great letter. The... Another brilliant fantastic. email. How fantastic that there is a, a supporters club in Vietnam. Absolutely brilliant. I love it. I really love it. And I hope they listen, I hope well, they listen to the fan club. As a... Uh... Well, let's hope so. I mean, as, as Gary Crowley says, Marco, I did not know that. <laughs> the most, uh, that is quite amazing. I seriously didn't know that. There, I, I really didn't know there was a Vietnamese Chelsea supporters group. Um, the, what was the question, um, Jonathan? Where's the most, What's the random b- most bizarre place we've watched a Chelsea the, match? The most bizarre place you've ever watched a Chelsea game. What, what's yours? Well, what, Mine. what's yours? Um, uh, I've watched in a... Um, in a, in a hospital where somebody came in and told me I'd almost died the night before, which I thought was quite interesting. Um, but but, but that hell. was still in uh, that was in London. I've I saw Chelsea play Queens Park Rangers um, at Loftus Road whilst on a cricket tour in South Africa, um, gazing through somebody's window. <laughs> <laughs> That's brilliant, Mar- Marco. What about you, mate? Uh, <laughs> Thailand, I think, um, sort of a, a long time. Although I've, I've watched Chelsea in in Goa uh, a few more more than one occasion. I've probably probably my abiding memory was was um, the occasion that kicked off my writing career, which was um, the Arsenal FA Cup replay in Las Vegas before. Um, Football was screened over there. It was, it was uh, just on in one in one bar. Um, just interestingly enough, going back to that discussion about shirts, no, nobody's. I'm just looking at a spreadsheet that somebody's put together here of 
all the squad numbers since squad numbers were introduced. And nobody has worn 25 since Zola uh, wore it. Mm. Um, but it doesn't say it's retired. It's just nobody's, nobody's worn it. But then nobody's worn number 61 since Jan Seebeck wore it with such distinction. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> Brilliant. Dan, Dan, what's the weirdest place you've ever watched Chelsea? The most well, random Similar place? to Jonathan Kidd, um, uh, it was a Chelsea v QPR game, and the answer is Loftus Road. <laughs> <laughs> very good. Very droll. Very droll. Um, my, own, my own offering is not, not that exotic or, or random, really, but I, I remember I flew over to Los Angeles because I was uh, making a documentary, so I was doing some filming out there. And, uh, I, you know, the, the flight gets you in at kind of six o'clock in the evening. But you've been up half the bloody night because it's a night flight. So I was in a bit of a state. So And I kind of thought, shit, Chelsea are playing in the cup. They were play- I think they were playing Preston in the cup away. I thought, where am I going to watch that? Anyway, I, I, I knew of this bar called the Fox and Hounds uh, up in Studio City. So I obviously then went out and get, got very drunk and, and got about four hours sleep because I had to get up at like six to go and drive to Studio City. And I turned up there and there was a load of Rangers lads in there watching the Rangers game in one part <sighs> of the room. And then there was me and about three others watching uh, Chelsea play Preston at, up at Preston on a small telly in another room. Uh, and it was weird because, you know, it was, it was about seven in the morning and I, I didn't dare have a beer because I was driving. But I sat there and had a mug of coffee and a full English breakfast at, at seven o'clock watching Chelsea. Met a lovely bloke who I don't know if he still listens to the show, but a, a, a very talented jazz musician called Josh Bonatian, <laughs> who uh, has actually been over here and watched a game with us. And we got him, we got him very drunk in Soho, me and Dr. Mart, as I recall. I hope he's still listening. If he is, uh, my best to you, Josh. So there we go. Um, last email, Jonathan. Yes, last email. Simon Lewis. Hi, all. Uh, no, I won't do that voice. Um, just wanted to say a quick thanks for all the shows in 2016. Listening to the podcast has been the highlight of my week all year long. Thank you, Simon. Either helping me make sense of last season's disasters or reveling in what is shaping up to be an amazing season. You talk a lot of sense, in brackets, most of the time. I've listened to your show on and off for several... I've listened to your show on and off for several years now. I used to be a season ticket holder back in the 90s, from Ian Porterfield to Ranieri. Not one of the great times to be watching Chelsea. But they priced me out of the market in 2001, but I get to see the odd game. I'm so excited to be going to my first game of the season on Saturday, and I'm just praying I don't jinx the winning run. Sorry in advance. Nothing like a pessimistic, superstitious old blue. Like me, Simon, like me. Keep up the good work. Carefree. Simon Lewis, Ballam, London. Lovely. Sweet. Sweet mail. Yeah, lovely, lovely email to end it all on, yeah. really, isn't it? And uh, I'm, I, I, I'm sorry to hear you've been priced out of it like so many decent uh, Chelsea supporters, Simon. And uh, I'm, 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 well, no doubt you would have loved it on Saturday because uh, it sounds to me like you were there. So thank you for that. And... Uh, well, I think the fact that there's so many people like you uh, who love listening to the show makes it worthwhile and makes it the highlight of my week too. So thank you for that. Now, we're way over time, so excuse me, chaps, if I just whiz away with the rest of the show before we say tutty bye. Um, now, we do love receiving your emails, so, and of course, as you've heard, we will always read them out. Even if you sent me 1,700, I'll try and find a way to get Jonathan to read them all out 
Although I might have might have to let him go for a pee break now and again. Uh, but anyway, send them to ChelseaFanCast at Gmail, uh, and preferably before Monday, so they actually do make the cut. Now, that, I'm afraid, is all we've got time for this week. Uh, for those of you lucky enough to have a ticket for Spurs on Wednesday night, enjoy the game, make a noise, bring back three points and stay safe. Uh, and, of course, before that, well, not before that, after, before next week when we're all back, but uh, on Thursday, in fact, um, I will be doing the next uh, show with Kerry, Kerry Dixon. So uh, we'll be talking about all the fallout from the Spurs game. And, of course, uh, we'll also be looking ahead to the Peterborough game, the FA Cup tie. Uh, I will, of course, be back next Monday night together with Jonathan and Clayton Beerman and Dan Silver for the Chelsea Fancast featuring said FA Cup tie against Peterborough and probably a bit more talk about the Spurs game unless it's a disaster when we will try and erase it from our memory and pretend that it never happened. Uh, now, do not forget to follow the show on Twitter at Chelsea Fancast, me at Stanford Chidge, Jonathan at Jonathan Kidd and Marco at Gate17Marco and Dan at Dan Levine. And, of course, check out the website chelseafancast.com where you will have found that there are more blogs going up more regularly and I, I intend to make this happen a lot more this uh, for the rest of this year so there you go anyway many thanks to my lovely lovely guests who this week have been the fantastic Mark Worrell good evening pleasure always lovely to uh, to have you on the show That's Marco and I fun. will look forward to seeing you on Indeed. Sunday yeah I look forward to seeing you on Sunday you, you going you going not, on Wednesday no. So you should be glued to the TV like me. Shall be. (laughs) Indeed. Well, fingers crossed. Uh, Dan, no doubt, uh, will definitely be at the Spurs game. Am I right, Dan? That's certainly the plan. Good man. And uh, no doubt reporting on it as you do, which is a lifeline, actually, for people who don't have Sky or whatever. It really is. It's an amazing service you provide. But over and above all of that, Dan, fantastic to have you on the show as always. Great to be here as always. Bravo. Lovely, and we'll we'll catch up with you soon. Get you back on as soon as we can. Lovely to have you on as always. And last but by no means least, uh, Jonathan, always lovely to have you back on. I wish you a happy new year, and thanks for reading out those emails no, so thank brilliantly. Thank you very much indeed for uh, uh, letting me do it. Very enjoyable. Thank you. Happy new year to everybody, as I've said before. Good done. No, thank you. Very best. enjoyable show. My favourite bit of the lovely. show. Thank you. Very enjoyable show. Pleasure, mate, as always. Right, guys, uh, we got to go. Uh, but happy new year to one and all, and uh, thanks for all of your support in 2016. It's always massively appreciated. I wouldn't do it if uh, if I didn't know that people appreciated it. It's that simple. Thank you for listening. See you next time. Until then, keep it blue, keep it carefree, and keep it chill. Up the chill! It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNuggets share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Normally being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to health care, it pays to be extra. 
and United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you.